Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. And welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephalo Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriart Podcast Networks, which you should know by now, because we have been telling you for like five freaking years. And as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee, and that is, of course, the coffee to die for. I am your host, Parasite Steve, a.k.a. Steve Van Sampson, a.k.a. Steve of Destruction, but nobody calls me that. And with me, as always, are my hilarious, my true blue, my I love them so much, and I don't even care if I'm being cheesy because they're the best people on the entire planet. Cohorts, Nintendo. It's okay to be cheesy. Thanks. Because I love you guys, too. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for it. See, it's, it's always better to ask for forgiveness than it is to, for permission, you know? So it's And also, of course, 8-Bit Alchemy. Aw, with a, with a heartfelt bottom of my heart, Shabibin! 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 I have to agree. I have to agree. You guys are the best. Uh, where where are we in our journey here, Parasite oh, Steve? Dude. What the hell is oh. what What milestone are we at right now? Oh, dude, it's freaking crazy, guy. Over what here. the fuck? Like, so tonight you guys uh are with me here recording our season five finale Woo! pretty nuts five freaking years we've been at this crazy podcast and uh all you in the listening world have uh followed us through thick and thin and there have been some highs and there have been some lows and we uh we've tried to persevere and to try to bring you First and foremost, fun, positive con- content. You know, there's mm-hmm. enough negativity out in the world, out in the internet, mm-hmm. out in the, out in the sphere, all the spheres. That's so and, true. Yes. And we we have stri- striven, stroved. I don't know what the past tense of strive is. We've, we've, we've it's striven, definitely stroven. <laughs> strovened. We've strovened for these five years to bring you you know a positive slant on uh the things that we loved growing up obviously and also some new things as well and uh just try to you know show that it's okay to be excited about stuff it's okay to like stuff it's you don't have to worry about like oh everybody's cooler when they hate everything and uh, all that crap it seems sometimes like that on the internet but not here on retro redoctopus so we uh we've had fun building our you know facebook group and 
And I think, you know, I speak for all of us when I say that, you know, we're very proud of it. And uh, we did cross a pretty major milestone. We sure did. Yes, this we week. Did. And we finally hit 1,000 members in our Facebook group. And that dun, may not dun, be dun, a dun. lot in the world of, uh, you know, Facebook groups, but it, it meant a lot to us. And, and we really appreciate you guys yeah. who are in there on a daily basis not only commenting, but liking and also posting stuff yourself. And, uh, you know, as time goes on, there are people that we see come and go that, you know, are very, very active for a while and then they move on to other things and that's okay too. It and happens. it's always, it, it always happens, you know, it's no problem. You know, I do yeah. myself too with certain places and whatever, but there's always new people that are, that are, you know, kind of fill in the void and they're starting to, you know, post a lot and get really involved and active and stuff like that. And then Absolutely. we have the, the tried and trues like Justin Cooper and Santino Mancibo and, and, you know, uh, Phil Conti and Adam Letourneau and like people who have just literally been with us since the beginning. Yep. And uh, they yep. just still it wouldn't continue. be the group without those folks. Right. 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 And they just yeah. still continue to, you know, post and comment and like and do everything. Um on a, a certainly a weekly basis but sometimes it's multiple times a day you know i mean santino we can't we can't go too far without hearing from our buddy santino mr. or our buddy mr mancibo the sandman or you know <laughs> our our very 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 good friend burker fanar out in iceland he is uh oh yeah our buddy our buddy lake Janin. he is always good for a a, uh, a retro post or three or five or ten especially when he gets on kicks which he is like he's want to do um, <laughs> he's so he's so good that we might even we might even be seeing more from him in the yes. context of the show you it's never true. know yeah yes, know. Right. absolutely yeah so we have some uh you know news about season six that we can share at the end of the episode and just kind of like things that we're planning and you know we're happy to share that stuff with you and also um we've certainly been transparent about this this is finally the end of an era uh for nintendo and for us as the show and uh this is his final actual final episode um and so uh, we'll, you know, cherish our, our time tonight. And, you know, uh, anytime you want to come back, obviously, you're more than welcome to jump into an episode or yes, to, please. if you have an idea for hosting or yes. anything like that, if you're feeling better, um, you know, that's that's what we're hoping is going to happen. Or, you know, if you like know. a remake of Chrono Trigger comes out and you're like, holy shit. I gotta, gotta do <laughs> I a gotta Chrono Trigger episode. It. God fucking damn it. Then yeah. you better believe it's happening. <clears throat> Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> so we'll talk about uh, some season six stuff later, but you know, for now, let's look back as we always do on season five. Well, we don't yeah. always look back on season five, but That's we do correct. always look back on whatever season the finale is for. <laughs> In this case, it's season five. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. So this ep- this season, we had the most episodes per in the season, like in all, because, you know, our seasons are composed of what we call the mainline episodes, which is our, you know, big topic where we have the octoponder jammed in the middle and it's, uh, it's very formulated and we really try to craft those, uh, very carefully. We really, we really do. It's like kind of a big thing that we do, you know, they're often not thrown together. And sometimes we can't, talk about something we'd like to talk about because we can't figure out how to turn it into a giant mainline episode. Um, and then as time went on, we started to come up with the bonus episode. So that could kind of, kind of alleviate that and, 
And uh, if there is something like a new Chrono Trigger or something and you only <laughs> want to talk about that, then, well, maybe that's a crow's nest. So the crow's nest, uh, funny, uh, we had the fewest amount of crow's nests since we started crow's nest. And yeah. then we have our final our final uh, format, which is the brig and the brig. We, uh, you know, as everybody knows, is our interview segment. And we had the most brigs we've ever had. So 46 total episodes in season five completely composed of all those types uh that is eight more overall than we had last year so 46 pretty good so that's a number number to beat next year i guess Dang, um, I guess so that is made up of 25 mainline episodes which is two more than last year and the reason that we had two more is because 8-bit did two two-part episodes by accident whoops <laughs> now i know what you're thinking you're all thinking hey 8-bit you said at the beginning of or at the end of last season that you wanted to do more crow's nests and i would say you're right i did say that i did but that's not that. what i did instead what i did was accidentally talk for six hours about fucking stuff that's things. amazing like horror <laughs> video games and godzilla yeah uh, godzilla. so you know yeah, uh, you, you you can say that i don't keep my promises but i do keep something so that's mm -hmm. worth you know that's worth mentioning <laughs> it is it is um so uh, we only had three crow's nests this season because 8-Bit obviously is at fault and totally dropped, dropped the ball. Dropped the freaking ball. Um, what can I say? I'm a disappointment. He, he, he dropped the, the, you dropped the, uh, the Mega Man soccer ball. Is the ball. Oh. I, I believe it's the soccer oh ball. Oh, my God. God. We soccer, should do yeah. weird sports games. As, oh, we as should. I mean, that's absolutely what we should do. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and we had, oh, my God, 11 more Briggs than we've ever had before. Jesus. Uh, we had 17 interviews this season. So I picked up your slack because <laughs> I can't <laughs> the most yeah, Holy shit. Um, and we're at the point. Well, you just now, know a lot of cool people, man. So it just it just works. It, it so works. It works. So I know I know a lot of cool authors, and a lot of the other guests were um were people that I was, you know, fans of, you know, and, and yeah. taking a chance at, and you don't know what they're gonna say, but holy crap, I think uh this season was the best for not just the amount of Briggs, but the quality of the Briggs. And I think that I'm just so incredibly proud of the people that we were able to get. Um, oh my God. Yeah. The Briggs this year were unreal. They, they, yeah. they really were so fun. And um, literally some of the most nervous I've been doing this show, <laughs> which really? is like normally just such like a, a fun and carefree thing. But like we had people on that. I was like, Oh shit. <laughs> I, I just, I just don't want to seem like an idiot. I don't know. Yeah. Right. It's it's hard because, you know, we're, you know, amateurs and <laughs> stuff and, yeah. you know, we're just doing our best. And my memory's and... not the best. Like, I don't always remember, like, everything about different stuff. So it's like, I want to be like, I, I am a fan. I love all your shit. But, like, I maybe just can't remember <laughs> everything in the moment. But, like, I just want to seem genuine. Yeah. I'm not a faker, yeah. I swear. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah. With, with, yeah. If you're a fan of the of the different people, I mean, that's definitely that's definitely the case. But I will say so I do want to go through the bricks because I do think that it was such a big part of this season that I want to mm -hmm. sort of give uh, yeah, each one a little, just a second. But um, yeah, we I will say that, like, at this point. I already have like next month all booked up for Briggs. Like people are now asking me, um, like authors at least are aware of of the format essentially. So we're getting, I'm I'm getting like requests now. Um, it's awesome. So that's fun. 
you know, and yeah, I think all along it's been, you know, just a, a way to talk to people that I know either I'm friends with or I'm friendly with in the community. And, uh, and that has been really fun. And I hope that, you know, people have had a good time listening and hopefully discovering some, some new artists and some new authors and storytellers. And, and then obviously there's, you know, if, if, if it's a celebrity, you know, it's, it's not going to, like we always say, it's, it's not going to be anybody giant. It's not going to be uh, Timothy Chalamet or anything like that. Or um, Weird Al Yankovic. Or Weird Al Yankovic, although, you know, he should be on <laughs> that, the show. That would be a dream. That oh, be a man, dream. my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> But um, the people that we get that are on that celebrity level, like even going back to like the Stan Bush interviewer, Terrell Whitlatch, who is the, uh, the creature designer for Phantom Menace and Star Wars, like the, these people are, you know, are people that we reached out to and, and they were just like, oh, my God, like I, I happen to be a huge fan of you. You know, how would this how would you feel about doing this little show? And, and they've been just so incredibly nice. So yeah. um, anyway, so we started the year off with uh our first double brig still our actually our only double brig it was the creature double feature with authors peter and dudar and ll soars both of you whom you're going to be hearing from tonight because they both sent in awesome voicemails and i'm very thankful for that very cool um that was a really fun uh kickoff to the the season uh that was only our second um a second episode we had only done one before that, which was Attack of the Video Game Ninjas, which honestly seems like it was seasons ago. I can't it believe seems like that it was seasons season. ago. I, I know. I was thinking that too. Yeah, my God, that feels like forever ago. Yeah, it really does. I love that episode too. But so the, we, our second one was the Brig, the Creature Double Feature. They were both, you know, monster fans, children of the seventies, uh, you know, guys that grew up watching the Creature Double Feature on TV. And we talked about a bunch of movies that they used to play and everything. And it was, <clears throat> it was, it was super fun. I love that episode. That was really great. So um, then. Uh, uh, let's see, four episodes after that, we did Opening the Tales of Time with author Elmarie Wood. Elmarie Wood is uh, was a returning Brigite. She was uh, she was in the previous season as well. And uh, if you're looking to be a paintballer, I believe is the name of her first appearance. And she was uh, promoting a couple of her books. And she also sent us a voicemail. I always reach out to our Brig guests specifically to see if they want to send us voicemails and we actually got a ton we we have we have so many voicemails this year we have 13 voicemails to play for you guys yeah. later if, um, if this episode lasts really long it's not entirely our fault it's not entirely our fault it's just mostly our fault <laughs> it's mostly our fault. um but yeah so uh elmarie wood i'll you know her name's lisa she is a, a just a amazing author and just a great lady and i uh did not know her before she came on the brig the first time so last year i was actually really nervous to have her on it's always nerve-wracking when i don't know the, the person because i'm coming from knowing these people most of the time so when it's somebody that i don't know that well yeah it's like i get pretty freaking nervous but um lisa like i got along with her so well uh from just second one and i think she is just tops i love her so she uh she's you know welcome anytime but she was uh i think our first returning i think she was our second returning brig uh guest i think josh nealis actually was on twice already before this oh yeah we yes. did not have josh on this year though nope. but um but yeah so elmarie wood that was opening the tales of time 
And then we had Spontaneous Human Combustion with author Richard Thomas. So uh, Richard Thomas and Elmarie Wood, I was I was keen to have on uh, quickly because they both were up for Bram Stoker Awards last year. That's um, a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lisa was actually uh, up for two, and they were in the same category. She was actually up against herself. <laughs> that one, damn no, <laughs> uh, like unbelievable. Uh, neither of them won, unfortunately. But to be even to be nominated to make the final ballot is just an incredible honor. So, of course, um, yeah. I was uh, I was psyched to have them both on and to try to you know help promote them. Um, and then we had uh, another returning guest. Of course, we're huge fans of this gentleman. This is uh, Flapjacks and Funny Books with Larry Blamire. Larry Blamire, of course, Heck the yeah. director of The Lost Skeleton of Cadavera and other such classics to us as uh, Dark and Stormy Night, The Lost Skeleton Returns Again, Trail of the Screaming Forehead, various other ones. Uh, we love Larry, and he's one of the funniest men on the planet, and he... Uh, <laughs> he like gets on kicks with like creative endeavors he just you know he'll like decide he's gonna paint you know portraits of like nonsense stuff for like you know a period of time and that's all he's doing and then like for for this particular like episode he was promoting um he was working on this comic strip called flapjack and um it was it was really fun to talk to him about it because it was really new and he was still kind of figuring out what he was going to do with it and he was just really really all about it and having so much fun with it creatively and it was just such a different outlet for him and it was a it's just a great episode and it was really fun to have him back and uh we we you know want to have him back again uh at some point too i uh i think i i have i have something in uh, that i'm that i'm on my list of things that I would love to do. And Larry is definitely involved with that. So um, we'll see if that, if that gets pulled off, but I won't, I won't jinx it by telling you what that is. Um, all just right. Then excited. we that just be excited. <laughs> then we had, or maybe not, I don't know. It might not happen. <laughs> so then we had the Mads are back and they brought snacks with producer Chris Gersbeck. This was an amazingly, amazingly fun episode. I loved yeah. this episode. Definitely one of my favorite Briggs. Uh, so a lot of the Briggs the, uh, with the authors I do by myself. And then you guys will join me for some of the celebrity ones. And obviously you've been there, you know, both times we've had Larry. Yeah. And, yep, um, yep. and for the for the Chris Burs, Gersbeck one, I think it was just Tim and I. I don't think, Joe, you were on that mm, one. I think I, I don't, was. Oh, yeah? I, th I think so. But cr I so, Chris, so Chris Gersbeck is this, uh, is this really nice guy. Uh, he's a comedian and producer of this show that's just on the interwebs. It's called The Mads Are Back, and it features Frank Conniff and Trace Beaulieu, who are the uh, the original mad scientist villains on Mystery Science Theater 3000. And we are really huge Mystery show. Science Theater 3000. Yes. Big yeah. Misties. And... Uh, and yeah, so they they do a monthly show, and I've been a fan of them since they started doing it. You know, uh, in twenty twenty, I think they originally started. And uh, yeah, it, I just sort of reached out to them. I'm like, I don't know, I just love your show, and you know, would you like to come on and 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 get interviewed and talk about the Mads are back and uh, his company, Dumb Industries? And he he did, and oh my god, like what a what a great time that was chris was a really fun guy i'd love to have him back too um, yeah that was a great episode good time yeah <clears throat> and then that led to 
you know, our biggest celebrity that we've had on the show by far, which which isn't a few. It was oh, a little, right, right. little bit down the line. We have a few <laughs> in between. Yeah. But, that, you yeah. know, I'll, we'll get there. So then we had uh, Lightning in Her Wires with author Caitlin Avery. And um, this was a, a kind of a more serious interview. It was a sexual assault awareness month. And uh, she, you know, Caitlin writes in that vein, that is always what she's going for. Her characters, her situations are always dealing with that and usually punishing the abuser. And uh, this was something that's important to her because it had happened in her life. And uh, she did a really great reading from her, her book. And um, it was a, it was a great episode. I was actually incredibly nervous for this one. Like, like, overly mm. because I didn't know Caitlin that well. And I also wanted to wanted to not be too goofy. Right. And I wanted to do right, right by the subject want, matter, you know, that it's serious. Right. And we we yeah. are just not that serious on the show. And and it was really like I it was really important to me that it went well. And um I didn't know her so well that I already had this rapport. I, I'd met her and uh and stuff, but I mean like I don't know, I just <laughs> didn't know her as well as some of the other people. But it went great and she's cool shit and uh and you know just an absolute open book and you know, wanted to talk about anything, you know, that I wanted to ask about and, you know, it was really, really cool. So yeah, I really, really good energy. I was really yep. pretty proud of that, that one too. Um, and then we had memoirs of a lifelong monster kid with actor Frank Dietz. What an interesting guy, this dude. Oh my He's, God, dude is such an interesting so story. Cool. So much to talk about. Oh my God. Like, like so he, fascinating. It's such like, a nice guy. Talk, talk about my it. Goodness. Talk about it, Tim. Talk about it. Well, I mean, you know, he, he's just, he's led such an incredibly interesting life. And like, you know, we, we got to talk to him about, you know, some of his early acting roles and stuff in black roses and, and stuff. And, and just kind of like being on that eighties horror slasher side of things. And then, you know, his career takes him one way or another. And he, he ends up being a, a animator at Disney doing like, you know, various different uh, animation jobs there and i mean my god i think a lot of, on a lot of artists in uh, atlantis in atlantis and, uh, i mean that's a dream yeah. job for a lot of fucking people Crazy. And, you know he just was he was doing that was doing a great job at it and we got to hear all kinds of interesting stories about like the haunted houses and stuff that he would work on with uh you uh with, who's the guy steve bob burns out. Bob because, Burns, yeah. Bob Burns, because he, because so uh, Frank Dietz actually did a documentary about Bob and Kathy Burns uh, called yes. Beast Wishes that came out like in early 2000s. I think it's like 2002 or something like that. And I had seen it previously, but, but 8 bit, you and I watched it. Uh, it was your first time seeing it. And we watched it. Yeah. Together before this and it's a really great and i mean honestly i had no idea about any of it and it was such an amazingly heartfelt documentary hmm. um getting to see all that kind of you know just how many people you know the burns had had just kind of impacted in their lives and and how they just were almost like these mm -hmm. like surrogate parents to so many people that were just like you know we could always go to the burns and they would just like <laughs> they had her back and like i you swear they were just you know They'd let anybody, you know, come in and feed them dinner or whatever. It's like they just seem like the most caring, <laughs> loving people in the whole wide world for this subset of people that are all into horror and, and you know, that kind of right. thing. And they're just so interlinked with the industry. Uh, yeah. And yeah, getting to they see the everybody. amazing... The, the, they know everybody. Right. Like know Frank everybody. and Frank and Bob are like best buddies with like Rick Baker. 
-hmm. and like you know joe dante and like all these like amazingly cool people all these like you know monster people not just like industry people but like the, the the guys that i look up to and bob burns became the like sort of museum the de facto museum mm -hmm. where people come to see him for uh various props <laughs> and so uh, many that's, amazing that's props. sort of you know what he became known for is that his house is just this museum of props and he has like the alien queen and you know a billion things like just when they didn't know what to do with something in the warehouse like this is too good ah let's give it to bob yeah yeah and then they certainly utilized it right i mean you know we're able to keep it as something relevant that people could come and see versus it just going into a back lot or something that no one would ever see again um, yeah i don't and, know if and, you can if if he does tours of his house or anything like that at this point because he's pretty old right but, right um, at this there point. was a there was a time where I guess you could go do that. And also he was, uh, it, it shows this in the beast wishes documentary where it's like, uh, it's like he, he would put on these massive Halloween shows with all industry people. So you could, if you were in the area, you could literally like go just like it's a neighborhood thing, but there are Hollywood makeup people. people yeah put in their own free time the to, most like, legit local haunted house like <laughs> right. scene anywhere the most of all time anywhere in the world right by far because he knew everybody and everybody's like yeah we're gonna we're gonna help out the burns like we love the burns so anyway but we didn't interview bob burns we interviewed frank deets yes. uh who's very good friends with with bob burns and did the documentary but frank was just amazingly uh interesting and he's actually stayed very friendly online as well i i yep. exchanged messages messages with him and um he he actually really really wanted to get us a voicemail um he didn't didn't oh, make it guy. in time um but uh you know i mean it's possible there might be a couple more that trickle in that are after we're recording this that might trickle in the next couple of days before i end up doing the final edit of the episode i'll definitely put them in if that happens but but you know a lot of people really wanted to get us something and just ran out of time or couldn't think of something and we we totally appreciate that oh yeah 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 no but um but yeah, really, really great guy. And then moving on from there, Joe, you have to talk about your brig this season because holy yes. crap, it's called Star Trek Metal with Heather Michelle and Jason Ashcraft from Of Romulus. So how the yes. hell did this come about? Well, I just simply asked uh, Jason, Jason Ashcraft. Uh, he's the, the main songwriter for the band Hellion Prime. And I've been a huge fan of his work uh, for for a while and um like years like for, yeah for years yeah, yeah for sure and um i later on found out that he was also the main songwriter for, for a band called dire peril which is also a really cool band so he started that band first before he did hellion prime which is kind of funny um and then uh he teamed up with his former vocalist from Hillian Prime, who sang on the first album, and they just started. They started this new project called Avramulus, and it's all about Star Trek. And in <laughs> the in the goal Star was Trek metal, Star Trek metal, right? And, which is really really cool. Um, metal by the by nerds who love Star Trek so much. Yep. Like yeah. like these are our people. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, this this was definitely like like one of the episodes that I was super proud of uh because it's the very first time i went solo on a yeah. one thing yeah <clears throat> excuse me and um <clears throat> i was like super nervous about it because i've never like actually 
talked talked to these people before. Yeah, I mean, I talked to like Jason right. on Facebook and and uh, Patreon or whatever, but that was just through through text, but not like yeah. actual conversations. Yeah. It's or whatever. So different. It's totally different. And uh, thankfully, both Heather and Jason are just super awesome people. Super nice. So cool. Um, Heather is just like the, the happiest metalhead I've ever <laughs> talked to, um, and just get her get her on Star Trek, and she's just like she she's a total yeah. Trekkie. She is a total Trekkie, and I, I think that's super awesome. Um, I love both songs that they released so far. I know they're working on on a full length album, uh, which is coming out next year, I believe. Um, and the whole the whole plan for this band is for each album to take place on a, a, a certain series like this first album is going to be on the the original star trek original track and then and then the next album will be on next generation and then voyager oh. and or, or deep space nine and then voyager you know if things if things last that long that's like that's their plan so i think that is super cool yeah um, we, th- i i'm, it's a cool I'm mission it right statement. now I'm calling it right it's, now. Yeah, it's TNG, TNG album is going to have a song called "The Skin of Evil." I'm calling it right now. <laughs> it's got to happen. Got to happen. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I want it on record. I want it recorded somewhere so that when that album comes out and the song is "Skin of Evil" is on there, I can have historical credit as calling it <laughs> "Death of Yar." Death of Yar. Oh my god. Yeah, I want Yar's Revenge. That's what I want. Yar's, Yar's Revenge. Yar's Revenge. That's what I want. Yeah. Yes. Yar. Yeah, that was that that was I think, so I think they're crazy. still the brig too. I, I think I forgot to let them out of the brig. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> um that, that that turned out great. I was I was so happy that uh you wanted to do that and uh certainly welcome you to do that still, even if you're not on the show. If you happen to, you know, have that feeling where you're like, I don't know, I kind of want to reach out and you you'd like to turn it into a brig, um, just just set it up. You know, you can always uh yeah. always do that. You're you know, more than welcome to. We would love to have more musicians on. We don't have that many. Um, and we're always welcome. Really, just anybody, anybody creative who's making something, I think, is is what we're looking for uh for a guest in the brig. If you have something to promote, some some sort of art on any in any medium, I think it's really, really cool. But that was an That's awesome great. episode. Super proud of you that you did that. And I think Thank it turned you. out Thank really you. great. And yeah, you had like great, great rapport episode. with both of them. Um, it really seemed like you guys had known each other and talked much more than just that it first time totally yeah, did. It, it was yeah it, it was really really easy. cool it was really easy talking to them and it did kind of feel like i've known them for a while kind of like with with me and uh epic glitch 79 it's like when i first met him it was like like i've known him for like forever like we just right. connected like instantaneously right. yeah some people are like that's like i was saying with uh elmery wood same kind of thing like just an instant rapport yeah. Uh, sometimes it happens, you know, it's really cool, but we've yeah. been fortunate. We've always, we always have really great guests for sure. Um, so after that, it was a little bit of a break. Uh, we, I think I was, I was really, um, oh no, no, the, it's after the next one is when we had the break. So the next one is the big one, the dark apnea of TV's Frank with mystery science theater legend, Frank Conniff. So we had Frank from mystery science theater on the show. Thanks to Chris Gersbeck. Um, and it's really because Frank 
uh is it is an author he's he's got books to promote so i was like hey you know have him have him come right. on you know we can that's talk about his... angle maybe not everyone knows yeah right so yep. that is um i mean it is it is my probably my favorite brig of the season i mean i know it's it's probably crappy to say like oh the most famous person but i don't know i i can't i can't well, it's help not it just I'm, famous for famous I'm, sake it's I'm tv's too frank, big for a god's fan. sake yeah, I know it's yeah, TV's Frank cool. and like I'm such a goddamn Misty and uh and it was it was awesome. He was funny, he was great. Um yeah, like absolutely. we talked about all sorts of stuff. We talked about tons of stuff with his comedy, doing stage shows, his books, his time on Mystery Science Theater. He's like nothing was off the table. Ask him whatever. Uh I was really really proud of that episode and that we didn't take like, you know, 3 hours or something like that. It's a, it's a I think it's more like a 2 hour episode or something like that but it was uh it was it was well paced and i'm just oh my god yeah. i don't know if we'll ever get him to come back but holy crap um what a get uh, really just it a highlight a really, of a really big deal yeah having tv's Absolutely. frank on is definitely like a kid dream goal of the show i mean absolutely never would have thought so mm -hmm. holy crap you know like yeah, joe you always said crazy. like stan bush i'm like oh my god this is definitely up there this is like a stan bush for me i mean you know plenty of people are and i don't want to diminish anybody else but oh my god what a, what a treat that was that was amazing so yeah, definitely absolutely. one of my favorite favorites of the year um and then there was a little bit of a break i was like really burned out because those those all kind of so much really such <laughs> high stakes right in a row yeah so about a month and a half later we had cowering beneath, cowering beneath the red umbrella with filmmaker james lamont this was james lamont's second appearance on the show as well second time brig yeah and i think i i didn't get to go on the there. first one and uh, we love james one. and uh oh okay oh yeah and 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 this was a, this was another really fun one you know beneath for those of you who would like to know beneath the red umbrella is a podcast you can go listen to it but it's not just a podcast it's an audio it's basically an audio drama that is uh it's kind of short form and uh they're all like twilight zony type stories that um are written by james lamond and they're fully acted by a cast of like cool talented local people and uh it's more fun for us because we're friends with the people but hey you know it's a uh, it's a good time no matter what look up beneath the beneath the red umbrella it's cool. um, really really yeah, cool. It's a cool show and james is a great dude um and then we had wicked sick of these giant centipedes with author rob smales so this so rob smales is a is a very good personal friend and uh also one of the best authors that i know personally um he's really 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 talented um far far more talented than his his career status at this point in my my opinion this man should be famous but you know it's it doesn't doesn't always work that way you know it just doesn't always work that way and that's why like it's important no matter what you know you're you support you support all the little guys because you know we need it a lot we need your help and uh and and i i want people to get to know all these people that i love too and and uh yeah rob is an amazing dude and at this point in the season i uh i sort of started to realize wow there's a lot of people that i am friends with that I've never asked to be on and I feel bad about it now because we're in year five. So I s then started to like course correct and I started to go, Oh, all wow. the friends. 
let's <laughs> let's start inviting all the friends that like haven't been on yet so rob was kind of like the first big one of that where i was like jesus what the hell's wrong with me i'm sorry i've never invited you on before and and he talked about um his book laundry legs which is uh the giant centipede part of that uh, of, of that title and he was also he had a story in in the anthology wicked sick put out by the new england horror writers and uh so that was a fun episode um then we had mystery woman with author killarney trainer killarney trainer aka kj trainer is uh is a friend she's great she's awesome we had a great conversation um and she would come back on the show quicker than anybody else she would show up uh i think it was about two weeks later but we'll get there <laughs> so then we had our other big celebrity for our last like big big celebrity for us like uh, like very big for us personally um and and the episode is called four heads are better than none with actor andrew parks andrew parks is certainly Heck, not yeah. a uh, household name but we are huge fans of him uh 8-bit would you like to talk about these couple of episodes we did uh sure i mean so the episode that we did with andy parks was just a treat honestly like being able to you know have all these different you know kind of celebrities to us on the show was just amazing this year but andy parks i was so excited for because uh like we mentioned earlier larry blameyer has been on the show a couple of times and andy parks is one of the actors that is kind of always in his cohort of actors always part of the troupe and i swear to god he's like always my favorite character like, like he's just always got such a great sense of comedic timing and dry wit. And he's just like so friggin' great in like all the different movies that, that he's in, you know, whether it's Skeleton or whether it's Dark and Stormy Night um, or whether it's Tales from the Pub. Like there's just, there's just so many great roles. And so right. it's always just kind of been like, oh yeah, he's like my favorite Larry guy. And, uh, and you know, we getting to actually talk to him and stuff was so cool because he was incredibly nice and like we were trying not to go super long but he like graciously told his wife like hold on we need to delay dinner slightly because I, like, i'm just having so much fun on this show right now and like he went and found the prop of him as his main main role was in trail of the screaming forehead and uh and he he pulled out the prop of his like molded head as a ginormo forehead monster that he still <laughs> had. He just like pulled it out of off screen, and uh, I mean it was just so it was so chummy and fun, and like there was so many just like genuine laughing moments, and like it was excellent. Mm -hmm. It was really just a ton of fun, and a way that I was like I was nervous. I'm like, are we just like? Like he's obviously a fun person, but like, are we just gonna be too stupid? Like, <laughs> like, is he just not gonna be into our shtick at all? And uh, and he was totally there for it, and um, and it was just the most freaking fun, honestly. Like, uh, in a season of so many great breaks, like that was that was probably my favorite one, just mm. because like I was also super nervous about that one, um, and it seemed like he just genuinely had like a spectacular time. Like what would have kept talking, you know, if, if his wife I know, like, yeah. was literally on the table, babe. Yeah. <laughs> but, and uh, it was, yeah. 
it was so funny because there's always like before we start you know i i hit record every time and there's always like a little bit of a pre-game you know preamble before we actually start recording the actual episode and he kept trying to go into the into the stuff he's like talking meat and potato stuff and i'm like whoa andy wait a minute we haven't really started yet (laughs) so i there was a part of it part of it was so funny that i just loved it too much and i couldn't i couldn't have it not be released so i did it as a little crow's nest so we also have the uh the corresponding our favorite marvin behind the scenes with andrew parks so this was um for for those who might might know who he is it's it's probably because uh he was one of the two aliens in lost skeleton of cadavra and mm-hmm. uh the two aliens are fan favorites by far and uh and i think that if anybody's going to know him from something i think it's probably that but certainly his biggest role was uh trail of the screaming forehead but yeah. um as you said but yeah um he played crowbar you know, I mean, he's crowbar. It's like we're right. like, oh my god, it's freaking crowbar. Like, crowbar is so great, so fun. And we actually got him, even though he's one of Larry's guys. Uh, we didn't get him through Larry. We got him through Frank Dietz, who yeah, just happens Frank to be Dietz like best buddies up. with him. Yeah, because um, they had just recorded uh, that Frank and uh, Doris movie. Yes, I might be getting the name wrong. It's not that. Frank and Doris. It's something in Doris. Uh, yes. Uh, well, yeah, everything got delayed because of the strikes and everything. Right, so, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they, one they day were. We shall see it. Yes, one day we will. But um, they had uh, they had recorded. They had filmed a movie together just a sh- uh, you know just the summer. So mm-hmm. it was pretty cool. He's like, oh well, you, uh, my friend Andy might want to come on, and I'm like, Andy Andrew Parks, like we're such big fans of his. He's like, oh okay. <laughs> well then. <laughs> Let's, let's like, get this happening then. Twist my nice. damn arm. <laughs> so then we had uh, we had Stephen Lomer gets punked with the cast of PNN. Now this uh, was so a ridiculous effort on your part, man. Just just absolutely <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So I will uh, I will get to talk about this a little bit later too. But basically, this was the biggest, this the largest amount of people that we've ever had for a brig. We did also have like our 100th episode, which was a big deal. That's something I, I don't want to blow past either. We did have our hundredth episode and we had a bunch of, you know, friends come on and, you know, boss rush mode came back and he was, uh, he was one of them, you know, our original fourth host. And yep. uh, we had a lot of fun with that 100th episode. And we actually did it as a video of our only live stream so far that we've ever done. But, um, yeah. <clears throat> but for this uh, episode, we had five people, I believe from, PNN and uh, PNN is a web show. It's a web channel slash show uh, where they parody the news, basically, um, only instead of doing it like the Daily Show, they sort of report on the news, but they every episode they pick a different movie. So if the movie was, say, Jaws, then they would be reporting on scenes in Jaws as if it was really happening. So they'd be like, oh, you know, we're, uh, we're over here and there's a shark uh, it's eating, uh, eating people. Uh, the dog pivot just went missing. Uh, you know, you know, like so that's kind of their shtick. And they have correspondents and they have actors and and all sorts of people. Uh, so what we did was we, um, you know, we ostensibly we were re- interviewing Stephen Lomer, who's the main host and creator of PNN. But I had actually gotten people from the show uh, to like log on and we had a whole plan and it's, it's like, I kept having them interrupt him and he had no idea that that was going to happen. So that we called it the interrupter squad. And like, we had, uh, we had like 
we had we had a dry run we had like it was a lot of planning went into this like all of us helped in the writing of what people were going to say i mean the amount of nervous that i was for this episode is insane this was a <laughs> so ton, much leading up to it <laughs> a ton of work oh my right. god so much work but very very cool very proud of it very very different i don't ever really want to do anything like it again it was so much but really fun right. that we did it so then we're um we only have a couple left. We have The Last Road to Fear Town with vocalist Bob Mendel. He is the singer of the band On Your Deathbed. And uh, also just a really great guy, really nice horror fan. I know him through just the, the horror horror scene, the local horror con scene. And also he is uh, he works at, at Fear Town, which is a local haunted house attraction. And he's like the lead uh, actor coordinator. So he was a you know great guy to have on in, in October to get gearing up he was like the start of our our halloween season was uh, yeah kicked it off yep kicked it kicked, yeah. it kicked it off nicely with bob mendel really good guy he also sent us a voicemail tonight very cool and then we had try everything and power through with author casey lansdale uh casey is the sister of keith lansdale who actually was on our show um at the tail end of season three i believe is is when he came on uh, but it might have been the very beginning of season four. I can't remember. But he, uh, he they are both the uh, the children of Joe R. Lansdale. And he is a... Not your he, Lansdale. Our no, Lansdale. Joe R. Lansdale. He's R. Lansdale. Uh, he's, he's a pretty famous dude. Uh, he's a pretty he famous is. author. Um, kind, of, kind of definitely a big deal. Um, so I've had I've had the two kids on. So I don't know. Maybe someday we'll we'll get the dad. I don't know. But uh, Casey was wonderful and uh, just such a joy. Super cool shit. Um, she she's another one that was like from from like thirty seconds into the conversation, I could already tell we were going to get along great, and it was really fun. Uh, she is also a musician. She has put out you know one full length album, a couple EPs. Uh, she's written tons of stuff over the years and uh, a lot of short stories. I don't think she's written anything long, uh, yet, but, um, you know, clearly the writing apple doesn't fall far from the tree in that family, but they are also really just all of them are really, really cool. Um, so Casey was just a great, great interview. And it was so funny because when we logged on, you know, I had asked her if she was going to do a, a reading, which she did do. And, um, and she she comes on and uh, she's she's clearly sick, and her she sounds like she's sick, and she's like, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." She's like, "I don't know what I was thinking. I got I got my I got my uh, shot yesterday, and and I thought I'd be fine." She's like, "I thought I'd be fine. I'm young." <laughs> she's like, "I can handle it." She's like, "Oh, I'm such an asshole. I don't know what I was thinking." And uh, and I'm like, you know, we can we can reschedule if you don't feel up to it. She's like, no, nah, let's just power through. So that's why the episodes try everything and power through. Uh, she she and fun. she made a career. She's made a career out of trying everything. She's she's literally done so many different things, um, so many different types of things. She's also like recorded audiobooks and stuff, too. Like she's really just done a lot of different things. And, you know, she said her philosophy is that she doesn't like to say no to stuff. And it's like, well, you know, just try. Yeah. It. Yeah, give yeah. it a shot. So, very fun episode. And finally, we rounded out the year, our 17th brig, Reaping the Carrion Harvest with author Morgan Sylvia. She's a very good friend of mine. And uh, like Rob Smale, should be way more, fam way more famous than she is. And uh, just very, very talented author. I love her, her writing so very much. Great, great lady. 
Um, and uh, we were talking about numerous books that she has out. She put out so many books this year and stories, but she uh, put out a novella called Carrion Harvest. And um, I, I, I devoured this in like, uh, I think a day and a half. It took me to read awesome. the whole thing. It, it was, it was just so good. I couldn't, I couldn't put it down. I just loved it. So that's always, that's always really fun too. When you actually get a chance to actually read the oh, whole yeah. thing of whatever they're promoting, which is not always possible. Get to read the whole thing and love it. <laughs> right. Like, that's right. awesome. Very cool. So that, that is our exhaustive trip through our 17 Briggs for the, uh, for this, for the year. Hot damn, um, hot diggity damn. Yeah. Really crazy stuff. Like lots, lots of great people we got to talk to. And, um, so I think that what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, um, I'm going to hand it off to you guys and I'm going to yeah. stop talking for a minute and we're going to, I just, I just want to kind of, uh, do a little change to our script that we're going by here. And, um, so, uh, we're going to go through our, uh, our guest hosts. We only had, uh, six episodes that were mainline episodes that we actually had guest hosts for yep. uh, last season. We actually had more. We had, um, we had 12, we had twice as many, but um, I, I thought it'd be fun to go through those as well. Um, so I'm going to just hand it off to Nintendo. If you want to go through three and, and then eight bit can go through three and I'll just go through none because I've oh. said plenty. Oh, snap. Right. We can do that. All right. So uh, on episode 98, Tatsunatsu. Tatsu so it's Tokusatsu. Ta ta tokusatsu. Not, yeah, ta not, not, not uh, Tats Capcom versus... Uh... Tatsunatsu. Not that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tatsunatsu. <laughs> right. Tatsunatsu. And the, the kaiju boom with Colleen and Santino. Uh, that, that was a uh, really, really fun one. So we just like watched like like Power Ranger type of right. shows along those not yeah. Power Rangers themselves but like right those but that shows yeah that's yeah, Tokusatsu Tokus yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, that, so that 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 was really fun um, and they and are then, both like such big fans like just oh, huge, huge huge fans and they both said they'd never get to talk about it because they don't really have friends yeah, yeah. fans of Tokusatsu are yeah. like few and far between so when you yeah. find each other you're like oh shit dude. Like yeah. soulmates, right? Yeah, and that was like, <laughs> oh my god, Colleen wanted to do the episode last season, and we didn't get we didn't get it to work scheduling wise. It just didn't happen. And then it was like, oh my god, what the hell were we thinking? We also have to have Santino. Santino is right. the biggest Tokusatsu fan, so it's just it was just awesome. We got to have him. It was, so it was cool. such a fun episode. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then uh, on episode 106, we had the non-Disney cartoon movie Throwback with Jesse. Uh, so this is just, uh, you know, just cartoons that were not done by Disney. Right. But they're like just along those lines. And uh, that, that was that was pretty cool. Un unfortunately, I didn't like I wasn't like I didn't like record on the episode. But I did leave a recorded segment because mm -hmm. that's when I was like I was going through this phase. <laughs> <laughs> it just yeah, wasn't no, you, doing you're well. Going through stuff. But, this, this yeah, we're going through stuff. There, so sure. yeah, it, it happens. It happens. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, that episode came out really good, regardless. So so that's really cool. Uh, and then on episode 
110, we have Dissecting the Alien Franchise with El Goro. And this was super fun. I I mean, all those voices deep, but holy crap, El Goro is like... It's the two of them. They, it's like the two they need to have a deep like, off. You, you, hey. you get you get pregnant instantly. <laughs> they need a base off. <laughs> base off, right? <laughs> so yeah, and uh, it, it was honestly it, it was fun. Like you know, watching going back and watching these these alien movies, and because uh, I haven't seen them in like ages, so it's like it's kind of like rediscovering a franchise for me. Hmm. And I just I just. Thought, thought that was really really fun and el goro is just he's he's like such a great dude and he's a fan of a lot of different things but i mean he his favorite thing is aliens aliens yeah his it's like of it's like aliens and Dune. Yeah. i think those are his two biggest fans yeah aliens and dune and yeah. uh and and it's like you know he was just such the perfect person and he's he's a guy that i've actually had to have on i've i've tried to get on for like three years and he's always very busy he's always like very nice and he's sent us voicemails in the past too for things like i really wanted him to, to be a part of the john carpenter episode when we did right. that season so three perfect. or something yes. and we yeah. had Derek rook and we had mrs parasite christine and uh they they're big 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 john carpenter fans but so is el goro and el goro is actually on the john carpenter uh, it's like it's like there's a there's an English release of the thing that he is uh, he's actually on that commentary. Nice. And, right, right. and yeah. so I'm like, we gotta we gotta have El Goro. He just couldn't do it. He just couldn't make it work. He was too busy. But he sent us a voicemail, so he did get to present the thing in that way. So he ha he has wanted to be on for like three years, and he I keep asking yeah. him. I keep asking him. I'm like, no hard feelings if you can't. But this was this was the one. This was the one. He's like, yes. I have to be on. This. I'm making time for this. I have to do this. <laughs> no, I and he had a great be time. on this. Yeah, it was fun. He's a, yeah, he's a really cool guy. He's a cool guy. He's also a mountain. He's a very he large. Hard, he's hard, un, hard to tell on podcast, but you know his his depth of of vocals definitely <laughs> well, does indicate. It's like, well, it's like him and Aldo are the deepest voices of anybody I know. And Aldo is like half his height. And, and like, and it just goes to show you that big things. You just don't know. You just don't know. Big packages can come in small things. If you know what I mean. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Wink, wink. wink. We, we do. We, we know what you mean, Joe. This is season five. We, we, we know. We know. <laughs> You've, been yeah, You've been pregnant like so many times in this episode, Joe. Hey, baby. <laughs> this season. Uh, you certainly have. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. You know. It's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. So uh, going going from there, uh, the next uh, guest that we had on was the retro toy lines episode with Greenie, who is uh, Mrs. Eight Bit, and uh, that was a really fun episode where we just yeah. all got to wax nostalgic about uh, various toys that meant a lot to us as we were growing up, and get super nerdy into some history of all these different things. Uh, I really liked that episode. That one went really well. Yeah. A lot of fun. And, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully Greenie will want to come back around. I think that she mm. had a decent time. She's pretty, pretty good at, uh, at being nerdy. That's why I like her. 
she was amazing. I think she did an awesome job. I mean, I think that was her first, first time. time. Yeah. yeah. Her first yeah. podcast, I think she did really yeah. well. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, I think so that's great. all true. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a, that was a great episode. Um, definitely, uh, indicative of more things to come. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, episode 113, the Ray Harryhausen and the Miracle of Dynamation, we had Mr. Scott Clevenger back on the show. We had him on uh, Once Upon a Time with his other mate there from the Slumgullion. Uh, what's his name? I forget. Jeff, I... Jeff Holland. Jeff. Jeff Holland. Yes. Yeah, so they were on originally to do a board games as movie pitch uh episode which was one of the most fun creative like yeah, really I brain love, scratching episodes yep. and yeah it was just fun mm -hmm. as hell to do that uh but yeah so this episode was talking all about ray harryhausen and uh we did this during our october fest of of monsters and and spooky things uh, and Ray Harryhausen as a master of the monster crafts. You know, we all got to pick different movies from his catalog and talk the cool effects and monsters and all these different things. And it was really fun for me. I honestly hadn't seen basically any Ray Harryhausen movies, despite knowing him. Uh, in that episode, I say that my introduction to him was literally Monsters, Inc. Uh, and just a one-off random comment that they mentioned about going to Harryhausen's restaurant. And uh, that was about all I really even knew. But uh, yeah, I mean, got to watch Clash of the Titans and uh, some Sinbad movies. And I mean, they hold up. They are great, great movies and amazing, yeah. uh, amazing effects. But yeah, Scott Clevenger was an awesome person to have on being a humongous fan of yeah. all things Harryhausen. Although a uh, self-proclaimed non-fan of Clash of the Titans in the course of that episode, uh, I, I may have convinced him to give it another shot. So I'll take it. It sounds as a like w. you did. It sounds I'll take like it as a W. You never, you know, never followed up on whether or not he did, but hey, you know, whatever. I'll you know, I'll just leave it there. Uh, yeah. Scott, and then the Scott is awesome. I, I yes. just love Scott. His he's he's such great. a witty, you know, funny guy. Uh, and I mean, he's honestly, just so incredibly funny. He also has a yeah. really great sub stack going right now that's uh it's um Better Living Through Bad Movies, which is the yes. same title as, as the book he released a few years ago. Um, and it's great. He just finds really, really horrible movies and he writes about them. Very, very, very funny, man. Really, truly just such an incredibly funny, funny writer. Um, and he uh, his newest episode, his newest episode, which dropped today, the day we're recording this, is called Tentacles. And he said it might be the worst movie he's ever seen. And it is oh, not, it's not tentacle porn. It's literally a, a octopus versus lady like movie. It's like a horror monster movie called tentacles. Um, yeah. So I got to read that later, but yeah, great, oh, great, great stuff. That That's amazing. Coincidence. Jeez. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah, great episode. And then uh, on from there, the next episode that we did was the TMNT party slash Nintendo's Last Stand that we did with Justin Cooper. Uh, so we called it Nintendo's Last Stand because although he might be right here before your ears, uh -huh. uh, this would be the last mainline episode that Joe would be hosting. Yes. Um, so this was a big deal. We got to finally do Ninja Turtles. You know, how is it possible? We we are at the <laughs> ass end of season five and we're just getting the TMNT. Uh, <laughs> I know. It's because so it's such an obvious thing that's probably why yeah. we never did it. <laughs> it's wild. But yeah, Justin Cooper obviously um is a 
uh, for those of you who are uh, in the know in the Facebook uh, area, the uh, Justin Cooper is the the go to guy for Ninja Turtles stuff. He has yeah. Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. He has the Epic Shells group. He does a shitload of other different shows. But we know that he knows all things that are shelled, and uh, and we definitely were happy to chat with him right. on that episode. We've had him on in the past too. We got yep. to talk about uh, the Exo Squad and different. Uh, it was giant shows robots. that were giant robot involved. Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah, and as, so, uh, as he so... pointed out, he was he sent he sent us our very first ever voicemail back in season one yes. for the episode uh, "The Dark Crystal: The Great Conjunction." Yes, that's right. Yes, yep. that is absolutely true. Yeah, that was one of the first things I knew about Justin Cooper uh, was his his love of Dark Crystal, uh, mm-hmm. and Justin Cooper is uh, is a dear friend of the show, and we'll uh, we'll have more to talk about, but. Uh, you will not be you'll be you'll hearing, not be lacking hearing in from him Cooper. more yeah you'll yes. be hearing from, from him <laughs> fans a little of, bit more fans of the show already know we we yes. have made the announcement but we'll we'll talk about season six later as yeah well. we'll, yes. we'll we'll yes. we'll leave that yeah. as a hanging thread for the end if you don't know already um but yeah, but yeah so i mean those were our guests this season so I mean, they might be few but they were strong they were mighty yes they were, they really were legion Together mm-hmm. they, they're each <laughs> they each is a them. tentacle, and together we are the Redoctors. Shubiman, <laughs> a six tentacle, <laughs> yeah, or a seven maybe. Yeah, I guess seven. Yeah, I would with... say plus all the plus all the brig guests. <laughs> yeah, as well. yeah. Oh, the, oh, we have many arms to hold you. We do. Yes, there's so many. Um, so usually in the finale, we get to this point where we sort of just ask questions of ourselves, and um, mm-hmm. this is you know not really like an octoponder. This is more like you know just feelings about the the season and stuff like that so we're, we're gonna do that now so this will be kind of a front front loaded um episode and then we'll get to the octoponder which is uh you know always the same theme every single year we do the same theme mm-hmm. for the season finale and that of course is first time viewings of classic films so that is where we will play for you our epic block of voicemails and then We'll come back and answer the question ourselves. But before we do all that, let's uh, let's do a little let's do do a little Q and A of ourselves here, a little self-reflective okay. Q and A. Yes. So I'll, I'll ask the questions, and uh, and we'll uh, we, we have more than we usually do. But hey, fuck it, this is Joe's last one, so I don't give a shit. So um, <laughs> all right, first one. I love this question. We've asked it every year. Um, it's my favorite question, Joe. You, you I'll pose this to you first. What is the what is your favorite episode that you did not host? My favorite episode I did not host that would have to be missing the point and click adventure games because they, it, I mean point and click adventure games uh, are super fun to begin with and I haven't played them in a long time and going back playing Shenra. Yep. Uh, the, I, I, can, I can never remember that website where they have all those games. You can just play on the website. Uh, um, crap, what's it called? Yeah, oh, that's oh, right. Oh man, that was um, such a resource. Play classic games. It's called it's uh, playclassic.games. Yes. There's, there's yes. no com. Play, <laughs> no com, no www. <laughs> it's playclassic.games. It is so good. I highly recommend it. It's just so much fun. And just talking about games in general is just always. Yeah, I mean, we do. One, one of my favorites. 
Yeah, sometimes we have to stop ourselves from talking about video games too much because we could just make yeah, this a video game right. show, but we don't want it to be. Want, yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. It's called Retro Geek Octopus, not Retro Video right. Games. It's all the things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, video yeah I, I agree. I love I loved when we can talk about it. It was a very fun This one. was a really great different genre that does not get right, brought because, up much. Like, ever. Like, I don't think we've ever right. talked about point and click games on the show ever. Other than I bring up Shadowgate, you know, but that's, right. yeah. it's just because yeah. it's one of my things. It. But, like, that's it. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of talk to be had, like, in, in general in the geek sphere. But, um, yeah, no, that was a really, really fun one. I love that one. Absolutely. Uh, Tim, um, what would you say? Howdy doody. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with uh, a Nintendo episode. It's the Retro Toy Lines one. Um, I think that, you know, like we were just saying, that that episode is like such a great example of not doing a video games one. And it's it's a great uh, thing to focus on because everyone played with different stuff when they were growing up and mm -hmm. had toys that meant a lot to them. And I got to really do a deep dive into like Fisher Price toys, which just like are not a fandom, you know, but like right. they were such right. a thing. They were, they were such a legitimate, like thought out, you know, line of toys that built on themselves and had vehicles and sets and figures and all this other stuff. And I mean, my God, I, I had so many that it was just super fun going back down memory lane and revisiting all those different things and like looking up the proper names for all these different sets that I had and, and recalling ones that I just didn't even remember owning until I saw the picture. And uh, that is just so fun. That is like one of the best things yeah. about this podcast is like, you know, it's it's those things that you have to dig a little deeper for to remember and really, you know, get into. And then everyone just also got to just talk about things that they loved so much as a kid. Um, so I, I thoroughly enjoyed that episode. I think everyone got to really get into it and and have a lot to say. And it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. Yeah, absolutely. So cool. Such a great one. Um, so I'm going to have to go with, well, I'll tell you, Nathaniel. Well. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go with our last episode. I can't, I can't help it. I can't help it. Like I'm, I'm a basic bitch at this point. I am, <laughs> I am, I have been on a Godzilla kick for like a month and a half. It's been like ever since I got to see Godzilla 2000 in the theater with Derek Rook when it was released a few you know, like a month ago or whatever it was that kicked it all off. And then it was like the Monarch show is coming out and Godzilla minus one was coming out and eight bits like, fuck it. I'm doing a Godzilla episode. Then it turned into two Godzilla episodes because Godzilla's <laughs> so big. You can't fit in one freaking episode. The Kiargan is still going out in the, out in the space. Um, yeah. Godzilla, the era's tour parts one and two. My God, my God, my it, God. I, I, I just loved it. And like, I'm still not done with my Godzilla kick. Like no, I can't no. stop because, because now I'm getting excited about pink Godzilla for and Godzilla Kong, X Kong. Kong. Yeah. And like baby Kong and, and them running together, you know, all the stuff that everybody's like annoyed about, like, I'm just excited for it all. So I, I literally, <laughs> I don't care. Like, just give me more. I don't care. I'm a slut. I'm a slut. I, I'm dirty. Just, just give me the Kaiju. Just pour it into my veins. 
So size anyway. does matter. Size does matter. So yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I am. I'm a size queen when it comes to kaiju. <laughs> uh, Godzilla: The Era's Tour, man, I fucking love it. You guys need to go listen to it. They just came out. Our our uh, this part two literally came out two days ago. It just, yeah. literally at the, just at the did recording this. at the time of recording. <laughs> at the time of recording, yeah. But yeah. um. Awesome. I loved it so much. So, uh, second question. What episode did you host that you felt the most proud of? Nintendo. All right. So, uh, I mentioned... I, I Mine's a two. I have two. Okay. Uh, one is the, the one I mentioned earlier, which is the Star Trek Metal, the break episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Understandable. And, and the other one is uh, the Super Nintendo Turns 32 episode. Yeah. Cause I think that was that was like the episode where I had I normally when I host episodes, it just takes me forever to plan them out. This one I had planned out before I even mentioned it to the guys. <laughs> I had it all planned <laughs> out, and is I think it was this episode for me was just perfect. It was perfect. Nice. I'm super happy the way how it turned out. And plus, it was, you know, uh, around Tim's birthday. Because Tim was just it, only, like, what, three days old when the Super Nintendo came out? Oh, exactly. right. Yes. So, so, birthday yeah, episode yeah. for me. Happy yeah. birthday to me. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, I mean, we got, like, the, the real nitty-gritty with the Mode 7 and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the games that came out with the system at the time of our release and, and all that fun stuff. And it was just really fun. I, I really enjoyed doing the, the research on this one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love the console Nintendo. history. We just so loved fun. Super Nintendo so much. Absolutely. And yeah. that was really great. You were, yeah, you were like, because sometimes you're like, oh, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. And, yeah. you know, we try to plan out the <clears throat> the episodes in advance, but sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know. And uh, with this one, you're like, Super Nintendo turns 32. Dumb. <laughs> done. 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 Happening. Yep. <laughs> like, oh shit this is this is what i'm doing yeah good. because that's that's the thing like for those of you who don't know like you know we have the rotating host schedule so you know whoever's turn it is to go as the main host it's not a democracy it's not a democracy at all who, whatever they want to do they get to do they, it's just right. they get to pick period so everybody else has to try you know their best to fall in line and and figure out how they can add to the episode but um when it's one that we all love and it's something like super nintendo it's like pff, it's freaking great <laughs> right. right exactly yep just a ton of fun yeah tim what about you uh so i uh i i'm just gonna say the godzilla the eras tour honestly mostly because it was a, a massive undertaking that like mm -hmm. you know on paper seemed problematic and in practice it was even more problematic <laughs> but by problematic i just mean it was a lot to talk about so yeah. uh and, and we and, have you know, we so had much aldo to say. who right we had so yeah. much to say and we had aldo who's an amazing guest who is so damn passionate too which is just mm -hmm. the best and exactly what we want out of guests and uh yeah you know i'm just i'm proud in the sense that you know we went for it and 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 it turned out really awesome and we got to have a comprehensive overview of the big g 
and that's just fucking awesome and it's at, and it was really so important to me to do it because Godzilla is just having his fucking day in the sun right now Absolutely. and I'm like yeah. I I know like you know maybe we do this later maybe we have more time but it's like the the iron's hot like yeah. let's strike this strike. Thing. Yeah. So, and so, uh, and yeah so I was very very happy very very cool so you know it just occurs to me so we had uh these two episodes are also guest host episodes so we had mm -hmm. eight not six i was i i do know why as i was going through i missed these because sure i didn't say oh, right, i didn't duh. say with aldo <laughs> in the name and i was i was looking right. specifically for the widths but uh it's just for the name of the episode it just oh, yeah, was good, a good catch. little too clunky <laughs> But yeah, so we actually had the two Aldo. So Aldo got to be—he's the only host that's been in two in a row, right? A you know, yeah. And he, yeah. and he really wanted to come back for that second. Oh part. yeah, yeah. He made yeah. it. We told he him he didn't to have to, there. and he's like, "No, I want, I want, I want to be there." So yeah. I'm we, glad he did. I'm glad he did too. And the the yeah. recording of that particular episode was the second half was a little bit rough because he, we had to like figure out quickly how could we, you know, we don't have too much time be between when we did the first one and the recording of this episode we're doing tonight, no. the finale. Yep. So yep. we only had yeah. like certain amount of days and, and it's like, oh, well, this day is the best, but he gets home really late. So uh, we were, oh my God, we were recording <laughs> it like midnight by the end. Oh, of I it. know it was insanity. <laughs> we were, it was yeah. actually uh, crazy. Yeah. We did it. I was dead. Yeah, I was, I know, <laughs> I was dead, dead, dead too. Night. <laughs> I was so dead, dead too, but it was it was really great. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really. fuck it yeah. It was worth totally. it. It was worth it. Very, very cool. So for me, I'll say uh, another one I've talked about already, The Brig, uh, starring Stephen Lomer. That's, of course, Stephen Lomer gets punked with the cast of PNN. Um, like I said already, honestly, you know, it was just an, a massive undertaking, a massive amount of work. We, we actually wrote, like, dialogue. We wrote lines. We wrote a script um for this uh everybody got to write their own stuff and suggest stuff and uh it was like everything had to be timed perfectly so people were in the waiting room but they had a time that i was trying to stick to and trying to not let on to lomer that i knew what was going on that something fishy was going on so i was trying to act normal for him but i i was keeping mm. an eye on the clock and trying to make sure so everybody would kind of have an idea when their cue was going to be because I just sort of entered them into the the video, and uh, it. I mean, it's 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 absolutely crazy, uh, really, just really crazy. So, um, did we put that up on the on the YouTube channel, Joe? No, not yet. I don't think. Did you did you download so that? Long. I do have it. Yes. So yeah. So some. I think I think it would be cool. Like if you when you feel like it, you can get back to it because back to putting up a few videos and we can do some backlog stuff you know it doesn't yeah. really matter but yeah i mean because i know we had like frank Dietz we wanted to put up too i don't think he yeah. got to be yeah we never did that in the same thing with uh um oh, what's his name we're just talking about him andy that, parks andy, andy parks. parks thank you yes Oh, that one's not up there either. So yeah, yeah I mean, obviously, the, our YouTube channel is not our main format or anything like that, but it's still just right. cool to have. It's, it's just cool to have. content. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was that was a uh, that was an amazingly difficult thing that I'm just very proud of. So um, hell yeah, and you know, of course, you know, Steve had mixed emotions about the whole thing, and uh, and you know, I brought everybody out at the end, and we're all just all laughing about it and everything, and he's shaking his head, and he's like, you know you know what the hell man and and i'm like hey man like literally nobody has gotten this much work or this much of a promo because like 
I had your whole cast on, like, you know, so right. many people. And uh, and we just got to do so much fun PNN antics because they are a comedy show. So it was just so fun. But um, very, very hard. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, but like I said, it probably won't be doing that ever again. Um, so, okay, next question is, what mainline episode, so not, not a brig or a crow's nest, what mainline episode do you think deserves more listens than it has? Tim, Mr. Apin. Well, so the one I'm going to go with, I, so I'll be totally honest. I'm not sure how many listens this one has. Uh, but what I do know is that it needs more um, because the episode is flash cartoons of the early 2000s. Um, yeah. And this, this episode to me was just honestly a personal favorite because I loved the topic so much and I never would have thought of it but holy shit is it part of my like nostalgic upbringing is like flash cartoons of the early 2000s before YouTube before everything you know was essentially America's funniest home video you know you had flash cartoons where mm -hmm. you know you're just getting these short little animations these artists that are creators on the internet and a lot of them you know have just made a whole freaking career out of out of what they do uh you know i'm, I'm looking at uh aaron hansen from the game grumps you know he started out just doing metal gear awesome and doing stupid flash cartoons and now is like one of the biggest youtube personalities ever uh, yeah. And it's just like it all was just from these flash cartoons and stuff. So I love doing this episode to death. I think this one definitely deserves more listens. And if nothing else, just to get those of you out there who maybe haven't thought about OG flash cartoons in a while to relive some of that stuff and uh, and maybe go boot up, you know, uh, albinoblacksheep.com because it's still <laughs> there and you can still listen and watch all the dumb crap that has been on Albino Black Sheep <laughs> for 23 years. It's all yeah. fucking still there. There's not anything new. It's like a total time capsule. And uh, it's, it's right. honestly amazing. It's so cool. And I loved getting to talk about that. So yeah, I really would like that one to get nice. just some more listens. It was such a fun memory lane for me to walk down. I think a lot of other people would get a lot out of that too. Right. I mean, I mean, j just to add to that, I mean, it's, it's definitely, definitely, like one of my favorite times of the internet era because the internet at yes. the time was so young and everything was so new to us so it's like you know, people are making flash cartoons like fl like people got really good with flash mm -hmm. like pretty quickly mm -hmm. and it's just so amazing it's just this new technology and people just like this grasping onto it like really quick and just kicking ass with it and yeah oh, I, I just the, the pre-YouTube days were, like, the best. Like, absolutely, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Because everyone had, like, their, their own site. Like, no, you had your Newgrounds, and you, you have uh, uh, Camp Chaos and yes, stuff yeah. like that. You yeah. know, like, you had websites to go to. Now everything's in one one place, and it's kind of, like, boring now. But yeah. it is. Yeah, and is. you brought up Camp Chaos in that episode, and I had forgotten all about Camp Chaos. Oh, my God. And I was there all the freaking time back yeah. in the day. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it in so freaking long. So, yeah, there was a lot of fun research for this episode. It was great. Fire sure. back. <laughs> Call 
Lars! It's Metallica. The answers are all Metallica. Lars Overture, go. Go. All right, so uh, let's see. So I'm going to say uh, the episode that deserves more listens than it has is TMNT Party slash Nintendo's Last Stand. This uh, this episode really is a special episode for me, and I, I really am not sure why that like if if Nintendo didn't get you there, the TMNT didn't like I don't know like turtles are big like it's, it's like we we waited five years to make this episode, but it's a great one, and I think it definitely deserves more listens. Um, as we said, we had Justin Cooper, who is the turtle guy, and really what we did was we and this was what Joe wanted to do. We we concentrated on the movies. So we each picked a different movie and we talked about the, the different movies. We could have another turtle. We could have numerous other turtle episodes and maybe we yeah. will. Um, yeah. We could focus on the cartoons. We could focus on the comics or, you know, the, you know, I don't know, the video games or, you know, whatever. Right. I mean, there's, the, there's the, so much turtle yeah, stuff. The turtle that, toys. Franchise, that franchise is so huge. Like you can so just pick, massive, such you can pick anything like, like a toy. And yeah. that can be its own episode. Seriously, it's, seriously. It's crazy. So that's why we, you know, for this one, we just uh, we just concentrated on the movies. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a great one. It's a Joe's last time hosting. We got Justin Cooper. We got Ninja Turtle movies. Really fun stuff. Also, Absolutely. I got to do the uh, the the post on Facebook that I was so proud of, where I um, I I picked little gra- I made little graphics for it, and I went I through know, each turtle so movie and. Uh, picked the MVP turtle and uh, who basically who I thought was the star of that movie, because they really, they do all feel like they have one who is the main turtle and uh, they're not always the same. So we talk about that in that episode as well. I brought that up again. I just was, I just had so much fun making that post. So yeah, bringing it up here again. Anyway, um, eight bit. uh, What would you say? No, it's me, sir. Oh, it's you. Um, it's sorry, no, Joe. I, was, I, I just looked at the wrong spot in the notes. Joe, Nintendo. <laughs> what does, what deserves more listens than it has? Um, uh, I, I I'm going with uh, gaming the Marvel way with with Ian Wallace. Yes, who is Ian a, Boy Wonderful Wallace. Who is a jolly fellow? He is. He he still he's is a delightful man. human. He sent us a voicemail tonight as well. Yes, yeah, really what a exciting. guy. Love that man. We love that man. What I for for me personally, what I really enjoyed about this episode was I mean, I am not like a comic book guy. I like don't know most of these characters. The only characters I know is through Parasite Steve. And <laughs> and I learned a lot of Whoops. of these characters from from this episode. And I just thought it was really fun and interesting and and i just felt it need more views damn it i mean marvel's huge yeah yeah and there were so many so many marvel video games my god so many and and what we did with this i thought was so freaking fun was we had we did the same thing that we did the previous season with the vehicles episode where it's all marvel video games but like there's one subset of marvel video games that is so big it's going to take too much time to so to talk about so let's just hold off on it so it's all the Mm -hmm. capcom fighting games that they put out in the 90s and early 2000s and stuff yeah and so we turn that into its own crow's nest 
So that was something that we had said we were going to do more, not, not just crow's nests in general, but crow's nests that were supplemental that went with other episodes. Right. So right. that is still something that I'm hoping that we do yeah. better. Yeah, it's, it's still, it's season. still my hope for next season. Yeah. But Absolutely. that was a really fun twofer. And Ian was Ian was just I mean, we've had him on like two other times, I think. I think that I think this was his third third time in the show. I feel like it was. I don't he's know. he's always a blast to, to but talk he's to he's him. always oh uh, yeah, because he was a so he was in our hundredth episode this season. Yep. And he was definitely at least also in our Castlevania music episode in season like two. One or two. Yeah, it was yeah, definitely two, real yeah. early. So yeah, season two. So I don't know if there's another one, but he's at least been on those three. And uh, obviously he's from Amalgamania. Amalgamania. Boy, wonderful. Boy, wonderful. Ian Wallace. <laughs> Dr. Guys. Ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen. <laughs> uh, so just an awesome dude. Always a great excuse to hang out with Ian. And that was just a really fun uh topic because he loves he loves comics and he loves he loves video games so there you go there you go, Can't go yeah. wrong. What, what more right. perfect of a man next uh question was there an episode you were nervous about but it ended up uh ended up that you had a lot of fun with it uh i will start this one off and say carnival redemption games slash that's the ticket this was an episode i was nervous about because i wasn't like i really liked the idea that it was outside of our normal box of you know mm -hmm. It, it fit with us. It's a it's a type of game. It's a retro thing. It goes back in time. But I knew that there was going to be a his, history component to it. And I wanted to do research. And I wanted to do, you know, figure out the structure. Like, how would we actually present this? How would we? And that that's like I was saying earlier, where like, you know, with the mainline episodes, we, we really do put a lot of work into trying to figure out how the structure of it's going to go. Um, so sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's like, easy and you're like oh uh marvel video games okay we each pick two done easy yeah no problem yep. there. boom boom and then sometimes it's like mm, it's not that simple so you know we uh you know when, when it when it comes time to researching some history and we want to present you know something a little different it's mm -hmm. it's a little bit harder but this was um this was a really fun episode i love it to death and i'm yeah, really dude. proud of it this was like and, a really uh, doing research i think it was i think it really actually cool. did really well i think this is one of our highest uh like listens of of the uh, of the season for mm. some reason i think it's up there um but yeah um so yeah carnival redemption games that's the ticket uh definitely check it out nintendo what say you uh, I'm going with video game movies, the good and the so bad they're good. Uh, <laughs> I just wasn't sure how I was going to structure this episode. Like I said before, it's not like it's, it's. I always have a hard time with this type of stuff, but with the the uh, Super Nintendo, I just got it. Like I right, got right. What I wanted immediately. So this was like definitely like like the biggest one for me to figure out like how i want to structure this and it just turned out really good it turned out really good it was a lot of fun and it's i'm just like super super proud of it and it's just <clears throat> i just loved it. it it's so so good and i had an excuse to actually watch the double dragon movie finally <laughs> <laughs> 
You're welcome. Mm, <laughs> a, a reason, <laughs> any reason to watch it. Wow. That yeah. movie was <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I still don't believe it. I'm still not positive that it happened. <laughs> was it real life? Who knows? Know. Was it just fantasy? Was I just oh. David after dentist? <laughs> <laughs> Is this real life? Ah! <laughs> uh, 8-Bit, what about you? What were you nervous about but ended up having a lot of fun? Uh, so I was I was definitely uh, the most nervous for the brig with Frank Conniff. Um, you know, just being like such such a fan and having him be such a, a name uh, that I was I was just nervous as hell. I'm like, oh, God, what the heck are we doing? But uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it ended up being such a fun episode. And, and it was yeah. great, you know, because like basically within the first five, ten minutes, you know, all that nerve just gets completely dispelled. Like It's like, oh, yeah. You know, it's fine. But yeah, I was super duper nervous about it. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we talked about it and it, it did come out great and we had a great time and uh and it was awesome because like he's such like a dry sense of humor guy, but even got to get a you know, get a rise out of him a few times throughout the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was like, All yeah. right, nice, you know, we're uh, we're doing our thing here. Um but yeah, that was that was definitely the one I was the most nervous about leading into it. Uh but yep, yeah, no, nope, totally worked out awesome. Yeah, when you can make good. uh when you can make TV's Frank laugh. You know, you you go to bed. You feel you feel pretty good about yourself. You feel like good. I did a good. I, mean, I did a right. good job today. Right. You feel, like, right. you feel like a new man. I feel like a yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. I feel like Newman or, um, or a new man. Something. Awesome stuff. Uh, all right. So we just have uh, two more questions here for ourselves. Uh, what's an episode topic you you can't freaking believe we haven't done yet in five freaking years? Um, Nintendo. Uh, liquid television. That oh, is a yeah. really good oh, wow. idea. Liquid That's television. That's a really like, good idea. I remember, no, we, we've like not on the show, but like, like other times in the past, we've, you know, we've talked about the show, but like, mm-hmm. we, never, we never actually talked about it on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what's really cool about liquid television is that, you know, you had the, the debut of Beavis and Butthead, mm-hmm. Eon Flux. It had like so many, Weird head cartoons. The head was Uh, the max part of liquid television. I I want to say yes. I think it was. was. I'm not sure. Um, but it was just really interesting, and and it was on like late at night Mm -hmm. because it it was kind of violent. Like a lot of the cartoons were like really violent. Like now you have the the Beavis and Butthead with the uh frog Frog baseball. Yeah, like. (laughs) Okay. And then of course no they got their own show after that, which right. was not violent at all, but no, they totally still it still messed up, but yeah. Liquid television was fun, I thought. Yeah, that's a great one. Great one. Um we'll have to we'll have to definitely put that in the into the, the notes and you know we'll we'll yeah, we'll have to do that at some point. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I I remember I do remember us talking about it in the past, uh in some capacity, like you just said. Um, and I, I feel like we looked into it and it's really hard to see a lot of those shows. I don't think yeah, they're, yeah, they're like, yeah, that's kind of like, that sounds right. That's probably sure. why we never did it. Cause... Um, cause I remember looking up the head and, um, and stuff. Cause I know we did an MTV episode way back when boss rush mode was still on the show. 
I know, yeah. I know we did an MTV episode and mm -hmm. I think we maybe touched upon it briefly. And, uh, <clears throat> and I think I had looked it up then, but that was a few years ago. It's possible. It's, yeah. it's different now or something right. like that. But yeah, obviously it would be so, it's always so much better if you can actually go rewatch the things that you're about to talk about, even if, you're right. them. but, um, a bit, what about you? What's a, uh, when you can't yeah so i mean this season we did a, a whole episode with jesse on non-disney cartoon movies and you know it it kind of just naturally lends itself to what about the disney cartoon episode true um and that would be one that i would definitely want to have uh mrs 8-bit on for because definitely. she grew up disney you know through and through and uh you know she's been playing disney dreamlight valley that's actually probably what she's doing upstairs right now it's playing the new expansion uh and i mean you know not for nothing like we you and me steve we grew up watching disney movies like crazy yeah um it's just kind of one of those things where it's like it's such a pervasive fandom for so many people that like i almost don't even think of it you know it's mm -hmm. like oh it's not a special thing for me right mm -hmm. so it's like oh but we still haven't done that and that's just so nuts that we haven't covered you know the the disney movies in in any kind of main real capacity so i'd, I'd love to do that next season make that yeah. one nice. um, i think it'd be fun cool and uh it also means that uh joe dodged a bullet because he hates disney cartoon movies yeah well that's that's part of it too right i mean we, we never like to do stuff that's going to be miserable right you know so that yeah that's it's with the changing yeah, of the guard comes new, right, you know, new right. potential fun. Right, that's true too. Right. Uh, like I said, yep. you know, it's it's not a democracy, but but there is a sensitivity to certain things. If we know that somebody yeah. is like utterly not going to have you know, anything to say, yeah. then it's sort of like, uh, eh, forget it. You know, we'll pick something right. else. Whatever. I, mean, I, I, I would have made. I know, <laughs> I know, you would have. <laughs> know. Yeah, we don't. We don't want to have to make you like. Yeah, it's it's totally cool. Yep. So I uh, I think that's just when it's like surprising, something, but yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah. yeah, and I agree. Greeny definitely has to be in more episodes overall. Um, yep. And uh, I think that I think that's a must, a must. Like she had, we can't do it without her. Got it. It's like yeah. Santino and Colleen on Absolutely. Tokusatsu. Yeah, I, I, we, I we never would do any episode without without her yeah. on there. We rescheduled that Tokusatsu episode so many times, including, like I said, it was supposed to be the year before, and it's like we are not doing this without Colleen. Period. Yep, and then and then it became oh my god, both of them. <laughs> so yeah, there are certain certain topics that we do save for certain people, which is always always ends up being fun in the end. It anyway. makes it fun that's and really. I, I mean, it's we're saying the word fun so many times tonight, like talking about these episodes, but like that's what that's all it is. That's all we're doing, you know. We're just exactly. To... We want people to be on the episode that are going to have yeah. fun. We're going to enjoy them, and yeah. you know, it's a chance to just be like, let's talk about the thing you like, you yeah. know. And hopefully, that's, that's... it's fun for people to listen to, and it's good yeah. rapport. That's if you're not having fun, it. you're doing it wrong. <laughs> it's your fault, not your our fault. fault. Your we fault. put fun in this shit. <laughs> you haven't found it. <laughs> you haven't found it. The just pink Godzilla is fun. You're just not finding it. <laughs> right. Find so, it better. Uh, find it better. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna say uh, I'm gonna say barbarians. I I have had this uh, idea since before we started when we were when we were writing, you know, when we were doing episodes on Boss Rush Mode's channel in 2014, and then we started to come up with, you know, just notes of of potential episodes that we wanted to do someday. At that point, I had I had scribbled down. A barbarian episode i'm like yeah we can talk about like you know maybe conan the barbarian maybe we talk about like the there's so many 80s cartoon barbarians you know there was like 
you know, technically He-Man, technically Thundercats. And then you have like the more obvious ones like Thundar and uh, Galtar and, um, you know, stuff like that. I mean, Dungeons and Dragons is kind of pushing it, but there was a barbarian in it, but he's just a kid. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's like lots of stuff. Um, also, technically, the Herculoids, which, you know, I have gotten to talk about in a few episodes, but they're they're space barbarians basically but yeah so i don't know it's it's kind of weird to me that i still haven't done a barbarians episode so i feel like i need to do that next season um, yeah definitely absolutely yeah. maybe that could be like uh like we did with the ninja episode where it's uh like we Ooh. call it it's an asymmetrical format so the first half could be about conan and then maybe the second half is like, let's pick a, you know, a cartoon or something or a cartoon and a movie or, you know, something like that. And this is this is literally how we schedule the episodes. We just figure it like that, like how we how we plan it out. It's like, um, I don't know. Everyone's like kind of different. You know what? Yeah. What does this feel like it should be? Yep. Um, yeah, that, that well, would lend itself really well to that. Yeah. So final question, looking back on five years on the show, how do you guys feel about what we've accomplished in general, uh, any hopes and dreams, any things maybe you left on the table you wish you had done or just just this is your chance to wax a little philosophical before we get into the, the, the voicemails. 8-Bit, why don't you go first, my friend? All right. All right. Well, you know, I think uh, after five years, I'm just honestly impressed with us and uh, and, you know, our our resolve and everything of just kind of keeping this afloat and alive and fun and just getting to to do this on a regular basis and i'm honestly just impressed you know it's it's amazing because there's a lot of things that are kind of come and go and ideas that you have and you're like okay we'll try this for a little bit try that for a little bit but this has really stood the test of time and has grown into its own community and network and the facebook group and everything that we have going on with it it's just honestly cool as hell and i mean you know i I get to tell people that I'm on a podcast and I've got more and more people that are just like, you know, friends and casual acquaintances and stuff like that, that have told me they've listened to the the show and have checked it out. I've gotten to, you know, talk about it uh, with people at work and stuff like that. And people are always interested and I don't know, it's just very, it's very cool that this is something that we've really made happen. Uh, and it's definitely all thanks to to you guys and all, all of our effort and stuff. And, you know, I just, let's keep it rolling. You know, let's keep it rolling. Let's keep things moving and grooving and, and keep on doing what we're doing. But yeah, it's, it's been a great time. I think for me, a personal challenge, I'd like to, you know, obviously make good on some more of those crow's nests and stuff, but that's kind of an easy one. I think for me more, I'd like to try and, step out of my comfort zone and reach out to some some people maybe in the video game music space uh on twitter and stuff and see if i can't get them on mm. you know to do like a brig with some people i just kind of haven't crossed that bridge yet so you know mm. i'm kind of keeping mm. that i'm holding on to that as something i'm going to strive for going forward um but yeah you know guys good great fucking work and it's just been it's been a ton of fun and you know um joe obviously these five years have been a shitload of fun and and you know we're gonna still get to do all sorts of different stuff and i'm just you know i'm happy for you that you're feeling better and, and getting better and everything like that as far as just 
doing what you got to do. And that's, that's what we want to do. We want to do what works best for you, what works best for us. So it's been amazing. And I will say that I am looking most forward to the first episode that we can do again together. And I hope it's a Chrono Trigger remake, goddammit. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, if it's, it's not, happen. if it's not, <laughs> we'll, we'll find something. Uh, but we, yeah, we, no, just, we sure. just do one anyways. We can do a, a, <laughs> we can do a, a fantasy Chrono Trigger episode. <laughs> we could do an episode of like all the, the, the fake remakes that got canned over the years. And oh, stuff, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's, uh, that's basically my piece on it, but it's, it's been an awesome, awesome ride and, and let's just keep it going. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to go next. So Joe gets the last word. Um, sure. I always get uh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> I always get my way. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, basically to echo what you've said, I mean, I, I've just enjoyed, you know, every every week or two at least we get to hop on here and and see each other and hang out, and it's it's always a an escape. And uh, you know, I mean, a, a good amount of my time is spent thinking about the show and thinking about the group and, you know, figuring out episodes and just just working on the show in some way or doing the post-production or whatever. And it's like, you know, I really enjoy it. And, you know, we used to all be in a band. We were in the band Enchanted Exile and, you know, we um, did all the, the music for the show. You know, so like pretty much all the music that you hear in the intro and, you know, in various segments and stuff, a lot of it's our music. And uh, it still says that in the, the show notes of every episode, it says music by Enchanted Exile. And that's us with Boss Rush Mode. Boss Rush Mode was the bassist. And, um, you know, well, he goes by Synopsis Grimm now, our, our old buddy Greg. But so, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, you know, we, we, we had that for so long. And then we had band and podcast and now it's been mm. podcast for five years and it's still not longer than we did band, but it's like, it's become the replacement thing, you know? And it's like, yeah. So it's so in total between the two things, it's like, I've worked with you guys on something creative for like, like a deck, like a decade and a half right. straight. And then there yes. were there were years before that that we, you know, did it for a while, and then we stopped for a while or whatever. But like literally, it's been like fifteen years straight, probably. Yeah. Um. So it's it's just always fun to get together with you guys and to work on anything. And I'm I'm really super happy that we're still going going strong and want to keep going and everything. And and as far as you you know, Joe, as far as, you know, your stuff, you know, we, we've said it all to you privately and we've said a lot of this on the show already and everything. But really, for me, the thing is like, you know, you, you've had some struggles with, you know, your 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 mental health and, and stuff like that. And the last thing I would want to do in the entire world is for this show to contribute to your stress. And if you're worried about, you know, putting together an episode or what what is it going to be or what am I going to say or whatever, and it's no longer a fun thing, but it's like actually hurting you, that is the last thing in the entire world anybody wants. So, you know, I, you know, we absolutely support, you know, obviously, you know, this already, but, you know, we support the decision to step down and to, you know, just, just don't worry about it anymore for a while, you know, and if you ever want to come back, we're here. Um, then you can come back too. you know, who cares, you know, but I mean, it is, 
way more important <laughs> that you get right. That is way, way, way right. more important yeah. than this podcast. <clears throat> so, um, you know, that, like I said, the last thing in the entire world we ever want is for this show to be hurting you. So that's, that's, that would, that would be terrible. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's bittersweet and tonight's, tonight's bittersweet and it's, you know, it's sad and, and stuff, but we're trying to be hopeful. And we do, I do think that season six is going to be pretty fucking great. Mm. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I do I no like, we no doubt about that. We've, we've worked, we've worked some stuff out and, you know, we'll talk about some stuff later, but I mean, as far as the only other thing I'll say is, uh, I mean, it's been a privilege getting to talk to every single person who's ever been in the brig, who's ever come on for a guest spot who, you know, I think that what something I'm very, very proud about is that we have curated a group of online friends that we know well enough to be able to say like, yeah, this like-minded person is going to be perfect for this episode. And then it always works out. We've never had one single bad experience with a person that came on the show ever. That's very true. Always, always super fun. And even when we're nervous about somebody that we don't really know because we're, you know, on the introverted side or whatever, um, it's like, it, it, it's always fine within five minutes. And so I think yep. we've created a safe space for people who um, like the next day. I mean, usually because I'm the, the, the point person, I'm the, usually the contact uh, reaching out right. to people online. So you guys don't always like get all the messages, but I will send you stuff like when it's cool. But yeah, every single time, every single time the person who was just on the night before is like, you know, messaging me or texting me or something or emailing me and saying, you know, what a great time they had. And it was so fun and they couldn't believe it went by so fast. And, you know, even if it's like a two hour, three hour episode, sometimes they're like, oh my God, I can't believe I talked for that long. I never thought I could talk for longer than 30 minutes about anything. And I was on for three hours, you know? Um, right. So I think that, I think that is just really, really awesome. It's humbling. It's really cool that, um, that it makes it, makes it feel like, okay, maybe, Maybe we've we've done an okay job here, you know, and yeah, and uh, and gotten kind of good at what we do, whatever this is. Right. Um, people people walk away from it really feeling like they had a good time, and it's like that's that's the best feeling. That's the best for sure. Right. Right. So, we provide so, fun. God damn it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Positive fun. Spread the Fine. positivity. So, Nintendo, the floor is yours. Okay. So first and foremost, I just want to say thank you guys for five amazing years on the show um and for being so supportive and understanding of my ordeals and uh now i love you guys forever for that um your kindness and generosity over the, the past few years uh have not gone unnoticed and i've i'll always hold you guys really close to me uh through thick and thin and uh yeah uh, i mean it, it's gonna be this okay i'm sorry it's gonna be really difficult for me to to talk no about problem, it man. Anymore, thank, but, well, uh, thank you for uh, that you know um and also uh for parasite steve thank you for you know taking charge of the show because the show would not be where it's at without your dedication sure. and the the hard work you put into the show and uh and i feel guilty for not 
doing more. Um, uh, and also for Tim, uh, you know, you're like my, my, my little brother from another mother and I love you dearly. Damn right. Hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah, dude. And honestly, I, I, I could not ever do another podcast without you guys or, or, or anything in general. Like, like if there's like another project or something, I'd rather do it with you guys than anyone else. So, Same. Yeah. Well, yeah. likewise, dude. Absolutely. Right. Now, now the sappy stuff is put aside. Uh, <laughs> time for dick jokes. <laughs> time for yes, dick jokes. Hide <laughs> you, dick jokes. Yes, yeah. let's go. Let's go. Um, so about the show, uh, about what we've accomplished. I mean, well, first of all, holy shit, five years. Yes. Second of all, holy shit, one thousand members on our Facebook group, which I never thought in yeah. a million years we would even get like a hundred. And here we are. I mean, yeah, it took us five years to get to this point, but so fucking what? I mean, it, it's right. a huge accomplishment. We've never, we've never have been this big. Yeah. And we never got traction with it. We band. never got traction on anything that we ever, ever done. And I think it was a, a a wise choice on our part to stop doing music mm-hmm. and just do podcasting because, like like Steve said earlier, we had band and podcast, but there was a point where we were doing both at the same time, mm-hmm. and we had it, it got to a point where it just got got to be too much. Like, okay, we have to get rid of one, and mm-hmm. the the music is obviously let people care less about the music than right. than the podcast and i think the podcast took off and and i think that's super awesome but uh most importantly is the community the people that we've met right. through this show and through through other like networks as well like amalgamania and all that stuff mm-hmm. like i would have known yeah, and like Patsy and Ashes, they let you know yeah. wrote on Thursday. They led us to so many people, and then it sort of just was a snowball effect. Yeah, it, yep. it's just yep. it's it's amazing, and every every single person is just amazing. Every single person is super nice, and to me, that's that's just the best part. It's like we grew our family, and it's mm-hmm. all these people are just so good. They're just amazing people. We almost it, never even have to deny posts on the Facebook group. It's right, like, yeah, yeah, there's there's the occasional, you know, the spam, spam, yeah, that's just that's a right. or something like that. Yeah, but like, there's almost there's very few posts that I feel that I need to disprove or something. And usually, yeah, and we, even then, like usually it's nothing. A good group of people. Yeah, it's a good group of people. It's a good Absolutely. group of people for yeah. sure. Just awesome. The retroids are the best really really great absolutely so, so great so thankful yeah, yeah. that's all so, yeah <laughs> i had my i i i had my last word yeah. yes, <laughs> yes! You no know, i mean the the last time you uh you had a triumphant return uh we saw a, a major spike in in listens to that episode so that's I'm true that was the, oh, the was... next time you come back it will also be the reckoning be, yeah. of of <laughs> listeners so. i think it's a coincidence don't jinx it don't jinx no. it yeah, yeah, don't, don't jinx it yeah. i don't think so i think people come for nintendo 
Uh, oh, that well, that's what she hot said. Hot take. That's hot what he said. <laughs> that's what he said. He he ha They're coming to take me away. Ha ha. All right. So this is obviously not going to be a short episode. These ones never are. Never. Um, no, never. It's fine. But let's uh, let's dive into our voicemails. How about that? So uh, tonight. Uh, we are doing what we've done for every other season finale, and this is uh, definitely the part I look forward to the most, uh, which is we always pose the same question. It's kind of like an octoponder, but it's a little bit different. And, uh, well, it's really the same, I guess. We're just asking for voicemails. That's what makes it different. <laughs> it's just a little different. Uh, so the question, which we've asked five times now, is uh, we're asking you for a classic film that you watched recently and it could be any time this year um for the first time so the idea is that you know it's a movie that you have heard about a billion times and it feels like you're the only person on the face of the planet who's never seen the thing and you finally freaking saw it you know like something like the godfather or scarface or gone with the wind or you know there's been lots of different things and what makes a classic movie is up to you. What do you think a classic movie is? It doesn't have to Do be. People just talk old? to you about it all the damn time. Yeah, know, it's like, just you something just that you feel like is an important movie that you feel like you've heard about so freaking much. And uh, there's a shame component too to it. Like you're like, oh, I don't want to admit that I haven't mm -hmm. seen this. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's the idea. Facts. And and we ask you guys to send us voicemails just for this episode. And so instead of just reading your answers like we normally do uh, during the year, we're actually going to do this. And so we're going to skip the normal commercials and go directly into a huge mega block of voicemails. I'm, I'm really excited, guys, because you guys really, really turned out in force for this one we have a lot of brig dwellers a lot of people who got slammed in the brig this year uh left us voicemails and uh some of our favorite retroids in the group as well and different different awesome people that we've met over the years uh which is always the point you know we we just you know we want to make it a, a a fun family experience you know on who's who of the retroids right right <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, so with without further ado, I'm gonna shut my cake hole, and we're gonna get right into those voicemails. Buckle up, Retroids, because this is gonna take half an hour. Greetings, Retro Redoctopus and fellow Retroids. My name is Greg, a.k.a. Synopsis Grim, formerly known as Boss Rush Mode. You may have heard him. I'm chiming in with my submission for the Season 5 finale, and I decided to have Rex Manning Day several months late and had my first viewing of the 1995 movie Empire Records, or as my wife likes to call it, Soundtrack the Movie. It's a movie I had always been aware of, and I know it didn't do too well in theaters, but even when I would talk to people who have seen it, they would say they liked it, but it never seemed to garnish as high a praise as films like Clerks or Days of Confused, so I never really felt compelled to go out of my way to see it. Uh, that being said, though, I really did enjoy the movie. It's like the aforementioned Clerks and Days and Confused, along with The Breakfast Club and Fast Times at Richmond High, all had a baby, and then the 90s threw up all over it. 
If you want to watch something that will transport you back to the 90s, this is definitely a good movie to do that with. Great cast, including Renee Zellweger, Liv Tyler, and Anthony LaPaglia, and great music. Of course, the movie being set in a record store was the perfect setting to have all those contemporary 90s tunes, and I'm glad I finally got around to seeing it. Anywho, congrats RetroRedOctopus on another year in the books, and congratulations on 1,000 Facebook page members. Quite the milestone and much deserved. Now if you'll excuse me, I have to purchase the song Sugar High for my brain now. Hi, my name is Elle Marie Wood, and I am the author of The Open Book and The Tales of Time. When I was asked to look at a movie, a classic movie that I hadn't watched before, I was kind of excited because I, I've missed a few things. You know, I, I it's strange because I love movies so much, but I know that some of, you know, some of the older films are ones that I need to go back and either review them because I haven't watched them in so very long or just never, ever watched them. So when I thought about what I wanted to cover, I was really kind of surprised to realize that I, as a, as a person who's written a, a vampire novel and a person who's written a couple of short stories, uh, vampire short stories, I was amazed that I actually have never seen Horror of Dracula. Horror of Dracula is um, the movie that sort of kicked off the Hammer Films Dracula franchise. Um, and this one is dated 1958. I had already seen, you know, Bela Lugosi's versions in the 30s. And um, my favorite vampire movie ever is Bram Stoker's Dracula. So I was kind of, it just kind of stunned me that I, I sort of missed this one. So I sat down to watch it. And it's different from what, you know, the other um, offerings that I've seen brought to the table. Um, some of the characters were doing things that I didn't expect them to be doing. They were in relationships I didn't expect them to be in. And um, so this differed from what I remember from the novel, Dracula, and also from Bram Stoker's version. And it was a little, like, it's kind of, if you didn't know any better, it wouldn't have meant anything. But if you did know something about what's, what's gone bef come before, or come before for me, I should say, um, it was a little, like, disconcerting initially. But when I settled down, I was like, okay, look, you know these characters, just go with it. When I settled down... I enjoyed the story being told there. And what was funny about this is that even though it seems like they are, people are in different, like different positions on the field, if you will, they still all ended up in the same place in the same spot that I expected them to be in at the end, which was, I mean, that's kind of cool. Um, I don't know. Was it scary? No, not, not necessarily. I didn't think it was scary, but, um, I don't know that I thought Bram Stoker's Dracula was scary either, so I can't, that's not really a measure for me. Um, I did like the use of lights. I did like the the makeup. I liked um, <laughs> the special effects at the ending there. I don't want to give it away, but if you haven't seen it, so I won't. But I like the special effects that, that occur at the end. It's pretty doggone good. I really enjoyed myself. <laughs> so yeah, if you, uh, word to the wise, if you've missed some classics, maybe go back and take a look. There's some really, really, really good things out there. Greetings, Retroids. It's the boy, wonderful Ian Wallace, wanting to wish you guys a happy last episode of the year and many, many more to follow into your next year. Um, as it relates to the voicemail I'm leaving for the question you guys gave for the classic movies that we watched recently, um, I saw the original Alien, 
movie. And I just recently, for the first time, watched Aliens. I've never seen the entire movie all the way through. I understand now why everyone thinks the second one's better than the first one. Um, It was a really good movie. I loved it. Um, Definitely uh, a classic film. Um, The 80s effects, uh, the horrible acting, (laughs) all of it, all of the cheesy, uh, you know, 80s action lines. It was all there um, and all culminated to make such a great film. Um, Definitely going to follow the rest of the anthology of um, Aliens and just check it out and see the rest of the movies because I haven't seen any of the other ones either. So thanks for uh, your guys, you know, challenging us to watch these classic movies or at least let you know what our experience was because now... I've fallen down the rabbit hole watching the Alien movies. Um, Again, this is the boy wonderful Ian Wallace wishing all my Retro Redactor guys an amazing last last episode of the year and uh, many more to follow. Um, You guys are amazing. Thanks for doing all that you do. Hey, Retroids, this is uh, Coop giving you a call just uh, in regards to a classic film that I had never seen. Uh, The movie that I watched was The Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I know this is one that uh, Parasite Steve has talked about often. Um, I just never got around to watching the whole thing. Um, I really enjoyed this movie. I think that the underwater scenes are filmed well above their time. It's just such such great work that they did on this. You even go out as far as to say it's like there's not a lot of bubbles coming up from uh, Rico Browning, and it's an absolute travesty that uh, he was not. He was just uncredited. That's insane. Like the amount of stuff that they did, it's beautiful. And, um, I mean, it's shot very well. The plot is a little weird when it comes to, like, the motivations of everything. I don't really understand everything. But I really like the performance from Julie Adams, who played Kay Lawrence. I think that a capable female heroine and female lead at that time, rather than just being someone who gets kidnapped by the monster, although she does get kidnapped by the monster, I think that it's important to see someone like her as an equal to uh, the Richard Carlson, uh, Dr. David Reed. And, um, I mean, even, even like, the parts where you've got, like, Richard Denning playing uh, Mark Williams, and they're kind of going back and forth, and you know that guy's going to get killed. Like, absolutely. So, you know, it, it's not an unproblematic film, like, completely, but as for, like, a monster film, what more do you want? You know, it's, it's pretty good. It was shot, like, 30 years after the original Universal Monsters, and I, I think it's pretty cool. This was a good watch, and uh, one that I was saving for this very question. But uh, have a great year, Retros, and uh, talk to you soon. Hi guys, it's Christine. So, the movie that I watched was from 1995, Martin Scorsese's Casino. It was three hours long. I liked it. I'm glad I watched it. I'll just list my main takeaways. De Niro being peak De Niro. Monster, uh, mo- <laughs> mobster De Niro. Every every caricature that you could think of, anything that you're going to squish into um, doing an impersonation of De Niro, it was in this movie. Everything. <laughs> um, Joe Pesci's always great. Uh, this is a s- really standout role, in my opinion, uh, and clearly others, because she was nominated for an Oscar for it. But for Sharon Stone, she was really, really good. Even though we didn't really get to know her, um, we didn't get to 
understand their relationship or see anything about, you know, her and De Niro. Um, so that was kind of weird, but she was fantastic from the second she entered the movie, which is a really great scene. There was a lot of really interesting, very stylized shots, especially when everyone becomes unalived in the desert. It kind of felt um, maybe more like a maybe more like a music video or something. It was just a, it was very neat. It was exciting. Um, a lot of exposition, a lot of De Niro staring off into the casino, looking at people, telling us his thoughts about them, um, which, eh. but the problem with that for me was that we never, we didn't really get to meet these people, we just get to hear, um, you know, De Niro's thoughts about them, and so it was hard to keep track of who they were, because they were just a bunch of guys sitting in a casino. Um, but it was a good movie. I'm glad I watched it. De Niro's suits alone. Watch it for De Niro's suits. You won't be disappointed. Here comes a new challenge. Hello everyone, Legion here, and I want to congratulate Retro Reductibus on doing their season five finale. Uh, I'm here to talk about. Uh, first viewings of classic films, uh, films that other people had seen, I had never seen, and just basically, what the hell was I doing not seeing that movie? For me, it was Denzel Washington uh, Flight. I always heard about this movie, and uh, I'm of course a big fan of Denzel, but this one just kind of passed... Uh, through me, I never. Uh, I, I had a couple of chances to see it at a friend's house, uh, but I never, uh, for some reason, didn't uh, check it out. Um, but man, I watched it recently. It's not fresh in my mind. Uh, I watched it a little bit a while ago, but uh, it's a really important movie for everyone to watch. Uh, Dancel knocks it out of the park. All the actors and. It's about, well, alcoholism in a big way, but it's also about, um, like, taking control of your life. And it has a lot of meaning, but it's also, you watch it once and you think to yourself, man, this is just an instant classic. There are movies that you watch throughout your life and they just become instant classics and you just know it is like uh, like a Shawshank Redemption or The Green Mile or The Mummy 1999 or for example another movie that came out not too long ago which jumped into my really hard to get top 10 list called The Green Book with Marshall Ali and Viggo Mortensen but Flight with Denzel Washington um, it's really, it, it's funny, there are some parts of it that's funny, there's a one specific character that comes in that makes the whole scene funny, but it's also really um, crazy, but the entire movie is about uh, getting your life back together, 
even though it's failing you and struggling with alcoholism. I have personally never taken a sip of alcohol in my life. I've never smoked a cigarette, never tried tobacco. So this movie doesn't like hit me, but I understand what the movie is uh, trying to say. So uh, keep it together, guys. Play some games. Enjoy the upcoming season, hopefully, season six, huh? And uh, I was on a couple of their episodes, had a blast, fantastic guys, and uh, keep on watching movies. And I'm going to recommend a movie that you guys might have not seen. And for me, it's the it's the ultimate superhero movie, and maybe the first one ever, in some way. The Rocketeer. If you think Iron Man is cool, check this out. Over and out, guys. Congratulations again with Season 5. See you guys around. Hello, this is writer LL Soares, currently in the break. I guess you guys forgot to let me out. But luckily there's a TV in here and inexplicably beer, so um, I've just made myself at home. Um, I was asked to contribute to this first viewings of classic films bit for the Retro Redoctopus Season 5 finale. Is that how you pronounce it? Redoctopus? Anyway, I'm supposed to pick a movie that I'd heard about forever, but which I never got around to actually seeing until recently. And uh, the movie I picked was, is The Exorcist 3, also known as Legion. It was written and directed by William Peter Blatty, based on his book, Legion. And uh, he also wrote the original novel, The Exorcist, as well as the screenplay for the first movie from 1973. I'd heard about this one, but never checked it out for some reason. A lot of the sequels to The Exorcist don't have the best reputation, and I guess I just kind of lumped them all together and then avoided them. Um, what reminded me about it was um, I was watching the recent Netflix series Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, which starred the great Aaron Peters, and it was during that that I found out that Exorcist 3 was Jeffrey Dahmer's favorite movie, and I, of course, wondered why. Um, then totally unrelated, some friends have been talking about The Exorcist 3 on social media, um, especially its famous jump scare, one of the most famous in horror cinema. And I started to realize that I needed to see this movie, so I finally did. Exorcist 3 is one of the movies, one of those movies with a slow burn, um, but it pays off. We follow Lieutenant Kinderman, who was played by Lee J. Cobb in The Exorcist, but who is played by George C. Scott here, as he slowly becomes aware of how a series of murders by someone called the Gemini Killer is connected to the events of the original Exorcist movie. When he finally comes face to face with the killer himself, who is played by Brad Dourif, in a mental hospital, all hell breaks loose. It's a smart, well-written sequel with some great performances, especially Scott and Dorf, and it deserves to be seen by more people. As for that jump scare, well, I've always been a little confused about the term. Um, when I think of a jump scare, for some reason, I think of like when you see a horror movie and a cat suddenly jumps into the frame when you least expect it and makes you jump. Uh, for the most part, these are kind of cheats, like false scares, but uh, the one in Exorcist 3 works and isn't a cheap scare, it's a real scare, and um, this scene, which is very short, um, it definitely lives up to its reputation. Um, there's also a scene that I like in the movie that is kind of goofy, where George C. Scott has a long monologue about how his wife 
bought a live carp for dinner and it's been in their tub for three days and he can't take a bath and he wants to go home and kill it and that's kind of random it has nothing to do with the story but it's kind of fun um this is a great movie and i wish i had seen it earlier but i'm glad i finally did and this is ll soars for uh retro redoctopus signing out Greetings, Retro Redoctopus fans. My name is Peter Andudar, and tonight I'm going to be discussing the 1971 John Hancock film, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Dun, 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 dun! Um, to be honest, I always thought this film was in black and white, and it came out around the same time as Whatever Happened to Baby Jane or um, Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte. Um, there's quite a few titles out there that have the main character's name in it, and I always liked that. I just thought there was a very intimate sensibility to it. Um, but let's scare Jessica to death implies that, A, that there's this real perverse uh, conspiracy being plotted by several people because they just don't like Jessica. And B, that Jessica will actually die before the movie's over with. Um, now, I'm not going to spoil the plot for you, but I will say that the, the title is entirely misleading on a, a bunch of different levels. So, um, Broadway actress Zora Lamper portrays the title or character, and she plays this mentally fragile housewife who's re recovering from a nervous breakdown. And her husband, Duncan, played by a guy who I thought looked like a dime store version of John Saxon, and their weird friend, Woody, they all leave New York City for the quiet suburban life of Connecticut, where Woody plans on taking over an apple orchard, and Jessica and Duncan are going to start dealing in antiques. Um, they purchase this creepy old house owned by the Bishop family, and the Bishop family is one of those um, kind of dark folklore families who have their own mysterious mystique going about them after, after their daughter, Abigail, mysteriously dies before her wedding day. Um... But Jessica hears voices in her head calling to her, and she sees this phantom apparition that might or might not be Abigail right from the start of the movie. And by the time they move into the house, she's not even sure if, if she's just being uh, delusional and hallucinating this, this new person. But there is a person squatting in the house named Emily, and she's very weird and kind of hippie-ish. And uh, she leads to a lot of trouble. She's bad news. Um, anyway... So Jessica thinks she's the only person seeing this new character, and she's afraid to tell everybody else, but everyone else can see her too, so she might not be as crazy as she thinks, but shit just gets weirder from there, and um, you kind of have to watch it to believe it. Um, anyway, it's a fun movie. Uh, certainly no big surprise why it never tops anybody's favorite horror film list. It's clunky, it's low-budget, indie, and it's also the directorial debut by Hancock, and it holds all the trappings of a first-time-behind-the-camera movie. The dialogue is shockingly silly at times. The characters don't behave or comport themselves consistently with the action going on around them. And frankly, a toddler could escape the non-threatening threat of the antagonists, who aren't so much as trying to scare Jessica to death as they are to drink her blood. But the letdown of this movie is seeing just how much potential it could have had if only left in a more experienced, nuanced director's hands. Um, still, as a fan of horror, this film is, is like a big time castle to the 70s, it's a gem, and I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. Consider it recommended. Happy holidays, everybody. Hey, everybody. My name's Tim. Um, I was approached recently by Steve to participate in this year's uh, Retro Redoctopus uh, first viewing of Classic Films podcast. So recently, I had finally gotten around to a movie that I've wanted to watch forever. Stand by me. Uh, I was born in 82, I'm 41, and it's one of those movies that, you know, everybody of our generation was supposed to have seen by now, and for some reason, I never have. You know, I'd see it pop up on, like, FX or TBS, stuff like that every once in a while. It's been in my Netflix queue forever, 
and I, for some reason, never sat down to watch it, which is really weird because I love pretty much everybody in the movie. You know, Will Wheaton, Jerry O'Connell, Corey Feldman, um, Kiefer Sutherland's in it, uh, River Phoenix, you know, even John Cusack, who doesn't even get mentioned in, like, the big thing at the end. He's, you know, relegated down to, like, the list of the other people. And it's just really weird because, like, I should have seen it. And, you know, didn't even know Richard Dreyfuss was in it um, until, like, the very end. Uh, but, yeah, so basically I always, you know, heard that it was great. It was a foundational movie. You were supposed to have seen it. It was defining of our generation. It was basically all about a bunch of kids that found a dead body. And it's about, like, bonding of brotherhood. And that's all I really knew. Um, what really surprised me, and this is obviously spoiler warning, uh, but if you're listening to this, you probably have seen it because I think I was the only one who hadn't. Um, I didn't even know about the whole underlying aspect of them having the pistol the entire time through. Um, I didn't know that the movie was mostly about River Phoenix and Will Wheaton's uh, friendship and that Corey Feldman and Jerry O'Connell were sort of like backup characters to their friendship. Um, I never knew about the whole like rivalry between the younger kids and the older I mean they're not kids it was Keith Sutherland and his cronies um you know young adults um so there was a lot more dynamics to the movie than I anticipated and the bond between the brothers and watching them go from kids who all have crap going on in their lives and they can really only bond with each other um and they kind of become like the the brothers they wish they had and they can trust each other even when they're talking crap to each other and making fun of each other and pushing each other in water to get leeches all over each other and everything. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they, they know they can count on each other. Um, and then you kind of watch everything kind of drift apart at the end. Um, so I thought it was... I thought it was a good movie. It wasn't as fundamental as maybe I had thought it would be in my head I think I played it up as being this like groundbreaking movie but at the end of the day it was just kind of a nice like I don't necessarily say wholesome I mean there are definitely wholesome elements to it and it wasn't as bad as it could have been I mean that movie could have been riddled with swears and you know drug use and stuff by the kids but the most that ever happens is you know cigarette smoking smoking and you know some drinking here and there um yeah sure they have the pistol but you know Nobody gets hurt at the end of the day, you know, except for the kid obviously getting hit by the train. Uh, everything is fine. It all works out, um, you know, for them in the short term. Um, but then obviously you hear about the things that happen to them later in life. Um, I also thought it was a really neat touch how they fought literally for their lives with the older kids to take credit for, you know, announcing the discovery of the body. And then they end up just calling it in anonymously. I thought that was a really nice touch. You know, they, they brought the the kid back to his family, essentially, by letting them know where he was, but without getting the fanfare for it. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the whole movie was about their journey in a couple days together. And they didn't need other people to know that they had done this because finding the body wasn't really you know the the point the point was to spend a little bit more time with each other before they all drifted and went to junior high school and you know kind of became friends with other people and then lost in touch with each other so yeah overall i thought it was a good movie um i don't know if i'll necessarily be sitting down to like 
watch it again anytime soon. Um, it definitely was solid. Um, it does, you know, deliver a lot of good points. Um, but I guess I just hyped it up. And it's, it's hard for me because I'm making it sound like it was a bad movie. I guess I just thought it was this, like, amazing movie. And because it was less than that, I feel kind of let down. Um, but overall, I thought it was good. I'm glad I finally got around to watching it. So, Steve, thanks for uh, encouraging me to, you know, pick up a classic that uh, had been sitting there on the, the back burner for me for a long time. And, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's listen to what everybody else has, and I uh, look forward to hearing your stories. Here comes a new challenge. Hey, it's Morgan Sylvia. I'm tossing my two cents into the year-end wrap-up um, for Retro Redoctopus. I said that right. Um, so about a movie that I finally got around to seeing. Um, actually, I'm going to go with The Deer Hunter. Um, I had, you know, obviously heard the title, you know, for decades, but I'd never watched it. Um, and I've been kind of delving into a lot of that, like, 70s, 80s uh, vibe era movies lately. So yeah, it came up on Netflix. Uh, we watched it. I didn't really have any expectations, so I can't really say if it was what I was expecting. Um, I was kind of expecting. I don't. I don't know. I guess I didn't really have any expectations. Um, some great acting: Robert De Niro, uh, Christopher Walken um, in one of his earlier roles, um, Meryl Streep, and uh, I guess that from reading about it, I guess that her and Robert De Niro have been like close friends ever since that. Um, it's kind of a hard movie to sort of critique. Um, it's 50 years old, close to that by now, so obviously perspectives have changed a lot. Um, it's also, I think, a slower movie than what is considered acceptable today. There's a lot of kind of like longer, slower sequences. Um, just a lot of subtext about the human experience and, you know, how people change and grow and move on and how horrible experiences can um, absolutely traumatize people so um, yeah I'm going to say it's worth a watch uh, anything that in my opinion anything that was nominated for or won Oscars um, and I think this one I think this one swept up but I actually can't remember um, but yeah worth a watch um, and then let me think I think there's another one that I finally got around to seeing um I guess I'll throw a rewatch in there. We rewatched The Running Man for the first time in years, and um, kind of funny. Like it, it was supposedly taking place in 2017. Uh, they got some stuff right, some stuff not so much, but uh, definitely uh, kind of an interesting take to watch it now. I guess that's it. Um, happy New Year! Oh, and Happy Holidays. I guess that comes before the New Year. Here comes a new challenge. I've been hearing about this classic film for years and only just recently got around to seeing it. You've definitely seen screen caps from it online and probably know it as that movie with Sean Connery with the strappy red diaper. And that pretty much sums up my review of it. The shock value of a ponytailed and be-mustached Sean Connery reenacting the horse scene from Planet of the Apes is really the best part of the movie. The rest of the film is your fairly typical British sci-fi movie from the 70s. It wants to be cerebral and provocative, but really comes across as an attempt to out-Kubrick Stanley Kubrick. It has a lot of flash, but not enough substance to back it up. There are a lot of B-movies that are good fodder for exposing your friends to, like Troll 2, but this isn't one of them. It was worth watching to say that I've done it, but I don't think I'll be watching Zardoz again. Here comes a new challenge. 
Greetings, this is Bob from On Your Deathbed and Fear Town Haunted House. I just want to pop in out of the brig for a little while uh, to tell you a little bit about a movie that I have uh, always wanted to watch and finally got to watch called The Company of Wolves. It came out in 1984 and growing up I always saw the cover art on the video cassette in all of the video stores all the time and I always wanted to check it out. Never got around to seeing it and uh, finally got to watch it. It's uh, quite a bizarre movie. Um, it's kind of almost like they took a bunch of sets and they were like, hey, how can we use all these sets and kind of tell one cohesive story, which they kind of did. Uh, it stars Angela Lansbury from Murder, She Wrote. Um, it also has the guy from, from Titanic who was uh, Billy Zane's buddy there that was helping him be a little asshole, um, uh, David Warner. And it also stars a still, I believe, unknown Sarah Patterson. Um, it's about 40 years old, um, so I think it definitely falls under the classic realm. So, um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was, uh, it was a watch. The effects were pretty cool. Uh, in the early 80s, they were still figuring that stuff out. It's a story about werewolves, which is pretty cool as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad I checked it out, but don't know if I'll be watching that again. So, all right, well, have a good Merry Christmas and a good Happy New Year, everybody. Adios. Hey, Steve and the Retro Redoctopus crew. Chris Gersbeck here, producer of The Mads Are Back, founder of Dumb Industries. Uh, just wanted to congratulate you guys on another season of your show. And uh, Steve asked me to pick a classic film that I only just recently got around to seeing. And I may have the absolute perfect choice in that I only just saw for the very first time Big Trouble in Little China a.k.a. John Carpenter's Big Trouble in Little China, uh, an excellent movie starring Kurt Russell and Kim Cattrall that uh, blew my mind. And I watched this movie on Laserdisc. Uh, a friend of mine uh, sent it to me on Laserdisc, and I happened to have a Laserdisc player, and I think that that's probably the best way you could experience Big Trouble in Little China for the very first time. Uh, everything about the movie's great. The story, the action, the comedy, the special effects, it truly feels like one of those movies uh, that should have been way bigger than it was. Like, no, I don't think anyone really ever talks about this movie, and it's just an absolute instant classic, in my head at least. I felt like I discovered a, uh, you know, a missing gem of the 80s. Uh, so that's my, my film, Big Trouble in Little China. I'm sure everyone has already seen it and they're wondering why I haven't and what's wrong with me and uh, they're correct. I don't know. I don't know. John Carpenter is one of my favorite directors. I love Halloween. I love Escape from New York. I don't get it. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Though it's hardly what I'd call a classic, this year I caught up with a low-budget 1946 Republic film, The Catman of Paris. 
courtesy of a lovely crisp Blu-ray from Imprint. Now, for years and years, and also years, I, like many other Monster fans from the time I was a kid, had been captivated by photos of actor Robert Wilkie, later a prolific heavy, particularly in westerns, in some very intriguing werecat makeup. Meaning, you know, like, like a werewolf, only a cat. Some shots show him being made up, others stalking the streets of Paris in dapper evening clothes, and it looked really cool, and the makeup looked great. I'm actually glad I waited for the restoration, because I think seeing it look so good helped the film's atmosphere and my enjoyment. Now, I had heard not-so-great things about the Catman of Paris, so I went in, low expectations in hand, and was rather pleasantly surprised, maybe because of that. But also because, and I won't say too much, it didn't quite go where I thought it was going. Uh, also, there was a very early sighting of uh, one of my favorite character actors, John Daner, turning up in a small role. Now, a usual disclaimer, your mileage may vary, so on and so forth, but I gotta say, I really enjoyed it. Woo! Oh my oh, god! Oh, shit. we are back! Oh, god, oh. is it that that's, time? Jesus, guys, I fell asleep. that's, that's oh my god. voice failing. I am spent. Are you guys spent? I'm I spent. Am, I'm I took a nap and I need another nap. Oh my god, I am, I am spent like a $5 bill. That's a fucking mm. lot of money. You know, you can do a lot, especially at the dollar store with a five dollar bill. Like shit. Yeah, I know. We got a lot it's of. Uh, I think my point was it just goes quick. It just it's, <coughs> it doesn't go very far. I didn't uh, also didn't go very far. But we went uh, pretty far tonight. Yeah, well, we they had, went uh, far. Man. We had some amazing retroid voicemails. Thank you so much, guys. I'm gonna read off your names in no particular order. Well, I'll go. I'll mention uh, the last one. There was from Mr. Larry Blamire, our very good friend, director of Lost Skeleton of Cadavera, and many more. He uh, he did not um, identify himself, but that was Larry Blamire. In case you couldn't tell, other awesome people who left us cool stuff were Boss Rush Mode, aka Greg, aka Synopsis Grim. He was the first one on the list, and then we had, in no particular order, we had our friend Berker, aka Lekjaren from Iceland. We had. Bob Mendel, Chris Gersbeck from the Mads are back. Christine Coop, our brand new dude on the block. Coop, <clears throat> we had our our very old friend, very very handsome Ian Wallace from Amalgamania. So handsome. Ian Wallace with the Redacted guys once again, and then we had Lisa, who is uh, Elmery Wood. I have her written down as Lisa. She doesn't even go by that. I've just I've just spoiled it all. Oh my god. LL Soar's author who was in the episode uh with uh, another dude who left a voicemail, Peter and Dudar. Both of them are buddies and they were in the episode of the Brig in the first episode of the Brig in season 5. Uh it was the creature double feature episode. We also had author Morgan Sylvia uh Retroid Mike Scully and uh Tim Baird rounding it out. Tim Baird is always in the group and always good for uh, super solid geek reference, and he gets everything. Uh, another author. Um, most of these guys have been on the show in one form or, the, or another, and if they're not, they are in the group at all times. So, guys, I hope you're listening because we really, really appreciate you all. We sure and, do. Uh, this this uh, season finale would this whole format would not be half as fun without your participation. So, thank you so much. Um, very clap, very clap, cool. mother fathers. Yeah, yeah. We got some great movies this year too. Like, man, oh, yeah. they were 
like a really good cross section of different genres and different stuff. And, you know, uh, usually it's funny every year we send out the same instructions and the same idea and only about 40% of the voicemails we get usually get the assignment. Like they kind of just, some people just like name a random movie that they already like or a movie that they just saw last week or, yeah, yeah, you know, something totally like happened. that. But like, yep. yeah. you know, that always happens. It's like usually 60% of the voicemails don't really understand what we're going for, but you know, we play them anyway, cause it's still awesome. And uh, this year, every single voicemail on the first try, a hundred percent understood what we were asking. So I don't know if maybe you know, after this many seasons, you'd hope so. Yeah, I was gonna say, I it, hope so. it only took five years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I love it. You know, we, uh, actually, so, so Bob Mandel mentioned the company of wolves and it was, it's really funny. I also did watch that for the first time this year. And that was a movie nice. that I was, uh, really obsessed with the cover art when i was a kid the poster art on like uh you know i've talked about in the show how uh i never could watch horror movies when i was a kid i wasn't allowed to you know we talked right. exhaustively about like horror video games but i know that's come up a few times recently and that was one of the big ones that i like was fascinated by that cover um in the company of wolves it was a really weird movie and bob was like at the end there he's like well i don't know if i'll be seeing it again so <laughs> and I, I kind of agree it was a real weird one but Coop watched Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, come on. What a classic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Awesome yep. stuff. Awesome stuff. Ian watched Aliens for the first time. He's just just now just delving into the Aliens series. He'd never seen any of them before. So crazy. Chris Gersbeck um, did Big Trouble in Little China. Yes, Chris Gersbeck. I mean, damn. Big Trouble in Little China. And he even said he's like a big John Carpenter fan. John Carpenter's big in his house. Like, why have I never seen this? Just so crazy. Yeah, he's like, and I stumbled on a it. new classic favorite, like 80s hidden gem. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, we've yeah. I grew up with this movie. And it's like, yeah, the thought of like not experiencing it until now is amazing. To be yeah, able to be like, right. wow, this is a fucking hidden treasure. Right. Which <laughs> is like another cool reason why we do this every year because i mean you never know you know right, yep. you could find that hidden gem yep exactly yeah i've i've had a lot of fun over the years watching like picking out different movies that i haven't seen uh for this episode and you know it's a good excuse to kind of do that um and i've i've been very happy with the movies i've i've watched uh the one i liked the least was the birds which was like maybe two yeah. years ago i think i watched it um Two or three years ago, I yeah. think it was season two or three. I think it was uh, ago, yeah, yeah. Uh, the birds was not my favorite, but all the other ones I've seen have, have been really, really great. It's just an awesome excuse. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to mention Mike Scully. Uh, his his movie was Zardos, and I actually saw it with him. We uh, <laughs> <laughs> the two of us that you I, did. I, I thought he was going to mention it, and he just left it out. We uh, we saw it at like a second run movie theater that plays like some old stuff, and. Uh, the two of us went on a little mandate. We had our little popcorns and, uh, you know, we had our seats and, <laughs> uh, right, yeah, right. no, it was, uh, and we, we watched, uh, mostly naked, uh, Sean Connery for basically in a Barbarella. Powerful, for... powerful heterosexual energy coming out yeah, of this whole event. Tons, <laughs> so much of it. Um, and that was a, that was a, that was a movie. That was yeah, I don't, who knows that why was it was a movie, but it is it is in fact a movie. That was a movie. When you've seen that outfit that Sean Connery has worn, like you've that probably much. seen it in memes or something, it's Zardos. Yeah. 
Oh my god, that's serious. You can't unsee it. Sardos, the fresh maker. <laughs> oh, my oh my god, that was just such an acid trip of a movie. Uh, and uh, Larry Blaumeyer did The Catman of Paris, which you know he admitted it, he's not sure if it was a uh, it's it's really a classic per se, but you know, Larry had a lot of trouble picking one because he's seen everything, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's just seen right. everything, and he kept he kept messaging me and he's like He's like, I really want to send a voicemail, but he's like, I, I honestly cannot think of something. And I'm like, well, why don't you just send us something that like, you know, you saw for the first time in a long time or something, you know, um, right. cause he's, he's really big on like getting these, these old things that he saw like, you know, 40 years ago or whatever. And it, you know, hasn't seen it since. And then he just buys this new, you know, cut criterion Blu-ray or something that just came out or whatever. He's like, no, no, no. I got to think of a real one. I got to think of a real one. Um, so that was that was super, super awesome. I have not seen the Cat Man of Paris, but I certainly I'm up for a wear cat any day, really. Mm -hmm. If there's a really any any sort of wear anything except for a werewolf, werewolves can just stay stay away. Werewolves yeah, are wolves. fine. Mm. I don't I don't want any werewolves or where where meows or. Meow. Or where honks? Those are goose. Those are gooses. Yeah. Um. But anyway, we uh we loved that. That was awesome. I hope Retroids you enjoyed it as well. So now we are going to uh, just finish up our our season five finale with our answers to the question. And really, this is this is the end. This is all we got left. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess who wants to go first? Does anybody? We didn't really figure Ooh. out figure out an order or anything like yeah, that. It doesn't matter to me. Okay. Oh. Okay. Nintendo, um, you wanna, Nintendo you wanna yeah, you do it. Sure, okay, I'll I'll do it. I'll do this. Do it, do okay. it. I love your pick uh, on this one. And it, yeah, me too. Um, I will have to say that for once, I do not have the last word. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so my pick is from 1982, and that is the first Rambo movie, First Blood. Yeah. Um, so I've never seen this one, but I have seen the ones after. Not all of them. I think I saw the the more recent one. That's one I'm more familiar with. But I mm -hmm. do remember seeing Rainbow Three, um, and I really enjoyed that. I really liked the the new Rambo movie a lot. Um, but with this one, I was kind of like expecting more of the same thing, and it really wasn't. It's 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 definitely the product of, of the time, uh, 1982. And uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, freaking uh, Sylvester Stallone. Uh, he plays as the uh, Vietnam War veteran, John Rambo. And uh, he the movie starts off with him just you know, going to uh, going to some lake house where his old comrade was and meets up with his with uh, the guy's wife and she tells him that he he died and all this stuff and and uh you know he, he was visibly you know really upset about it and then he just goes on his merry little way um and uh he goes to this town in in uh, hope washington and uh he's just walking around walking around walking around and then he gets uh a cop pulls up next to him and he's like where do you think you're going like this guy, like this, this guy was a sheriff and he wanted like nothing to do with these drifters at all. And, uh, 
so he, he just drives him out of town drives him out of town and then and then uh rambo's like he's just, just standing there it's like doesn't say a word like he hardly says anything in this movie until like, yeah yeah really, really, really odd. <clears throat> and uh so he just turns around and walks right right back into town and the cop sees him sees him doing this and he's like what the fuck is going on so he turns right around it's like hey where do you think you're going and rambo just doesn't even respond and uh he's like okay that's it put your hands up put your hands up and he like starts like you know groping him and all that crap no checking for like weapons hassling hassling giving him a hard fucking time and just like real like treats him like shit for no reason so he ends up getting arrested because he carried a, a, a combat knife with him. And uh, so he gets arrested. and A Rambo get, knife. A, the Rambo knife, if you will. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> call that a knife? This is a knife. A oh, wrong movie, sorry. Um, <laughs> if you call this a knife? <laughs> um, so he gets arrested. They make fun of this poor guy, this poor war hero. Mm. And of course, not at the time they didn't know he was a war hero. And uh, they they make fun of him because you know he smelled really bad. His hair was a mess and everything. It was just really gross. And so they they literally hose him down, and then they they like just beat him for like no reason. And he was going to get uh, shaven with a knife, like a dry shave. And that brought back like memories from the war, and he just fucking went ape shit, and he just like fucking knocked everyone out, and then he like manages to escape, and then basically the whole movie was like Rambo running away from the cops, and accidentally kills one of the police officers, and then it you later find out that he's just like he's not right in the head. Because of the the experiences that he went through, and uh, I guess his old uh, uh, sergeant or whatever I forget his name, um, he's like trying to tell the, the police officers and the, and the sheriff's like, okay, this you know, he, this guy, you have no idea, he is fucking dangerous as fuck. Mm-hmm. In those exact words, um, <laughs> precisely as fuck. Precisely like as fuck. Wait, how yeah. dangerous is he? As fuck. fuck, fuck, as fuck. Oh, you're pretty serious, aren't you? Um, yeah. So the whole movie is basically just Rambo running away from the the police, and then he finally he doesn't like give up. He gets like surrounded, and he's just like I, he's like I can't do this anymore. I can't I can't live like this and whatever. And then he starts crying, and then that's basically the end of the movie. And I mean, it it wasn't a terrible movie. It was good. I did enjoy it for what it was. Um, I will. Ha- I do. The, the only negative thing I have to say about it is the soundtrack is so off-putting. <laughs> it just does not match. I don't really remember the, the, um, yeah, the music. What is the soundtrack? It, it, it's just oh, it's just your typical '80s pop crap. It's just uh... it's like <clears throat> like 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 a montage song or something, but, but without the montage. It should have been sixties. It should have been all sixties stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anti-war, stuff. anti-war. Yeah, but it, the, the soundtrack just did not match at all. <laughs> it's just so bizarre. 
So I mean, that that'd be the only negative thing I, I would have to say about it. And, and of course, you know, uh, Sylvester Stallone is like he's not the best actor, but a role yeah, like this is, is is yeah yeah very beginning. Um, he's he's better now, obviously, but. Mm. I mean, at the time, I mean, he just wasn't that good. But this role, like with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, this one of, one of his first roles, and it was good for him. Yeah, it was, it was a good stepping stone, and and he's made so many other movies since then, and he's gotten better with each movie. And yeah, and and you know, I mean, I think like the I, I first watched this movie with my mom because my mom was a huge Sylvester Stallone fan, still is, and. Uh, and you know this this movie to me was like kind of unlike any movie I had seen before when I was uh, I don't know I was probably in middle school maybe like maybe I was or maybe I was fifteen um, and this movie like is it's getting to the core of like PTSD right. and yes. what the fallout is of you know veterans after the war and like how prejudice works you know against a lot of veterans all the time and that you know these are people who fought for the country that we currently live in but like they're also maybe not the most highly functioning people anymore because of all the shit that they went through but like uh society doesn't cut them a break you know and and like just the what happens so often with with veterans is that you know it's like the system is what you know basically you know chewed them up and spit them back out and and doesn't have mm-hmm. any interest in in taking care of them and stuff right. and that's why right. there's like so many uh programs now that are for you know veterans and you know finding finding like good jobs and stuff for veterans and you know just doing all kinds of stuff even down to simple stuff like you know you go to walmart and there's veteran parking spots um yeah and, and stuff like that. So it's like this movie was like dealing with themes, but also being like a total fucking balls out like action flick with like this, you know, you you don't feel awesome about it. But like you also are, you know, kind of rooting for for John Rambo, because as much as, you know, he might be a mess, it's like he wasn't treated in a way that was was fair. Um, but also it's like, you got to think of it from the cops perspective too. And it's like, well, you know, this guy was kind of aimless and he seemed like not all there and And he he seemed off. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed off. And that's, those are red flags and, you know, early detection of crime and, and whatnot like that is like one of the, one of the techniques for, for trying to stop something, you know, see something, say something. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a complicated story. It's not just good guy versus bad guy. Right. It's it's definitely like a movie that really kind of you know is is punching like really pretty high as far yeah. as like you know uh, an early movie for Sylvester Stallone is it his first movie no 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 and rocky was his first, first one but... no it, that wasn't his first one either that was i mean rocky i think was before this but uh i think rocky was more like his first big movie and of course he okay. wrote rocky okay um, yep and he wrote this he too was, right he was in a cup um no this was based on a book Yes. Oh no shit. I yeah. didn't know that. I thought I yeah. thought this was his creation as well. Nope. No, in fact, he doesn't own any part of either now, I believe. Um, I know he doesn't own anything for Rambo. I mean for uh Rocky, which is like the craziest thing because he did invent the character, but everything belongs to Miramax or whoever it is. Uh and this is this I don't think he ever had ownership of this. I mean, he gets royalties, but that's not the same thing. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the book came out in 1972 
by oh, wow. by really author David Morell, M O R R E L L. Morell. Morell. But so now you had seen the other ones, Joe. So you said so, uh, like, like, like this were you surprised one. Surprised at how different this was. Yes, uh, I was like surprised at how non-violence this movie is compare in comparison right there are to, yeah, yeah it's not just a, a kill fest it, it, yeah exactly exactly it's not yeah. explosion it's like, it's like an actual like like this was like a good introduction to the mm -hmm. character i mean it's one of those movies that i just don't think ever should have had sequels and i i, I like the sequels right i'm happy yeah. they exist but Honestly, like they do a disservice to that first movie, but yeah, without them, yeah. that first movie probably would, you know, it might be a footnote. It, you know, yeah. probably wouldn't be as renowned as it is and remembered as it is. Um, so you know, it's a it's a double edged sword. You know, it's one of those things, right? Yeah, but cool stuff, man. Absolutely, good choice. Very cool, uh, especially where you saw the the other ones first. Just an interesting order to go back right <clears throat> right yep so when you're saying the newer rambo i think you mean like the fourth one which actually came out like 20 years ago oh no there was one called there um, was john rambo just john rambo yeah that was yeah, from so, like 2010 maybe so there was a, a yeah number five came out um as well but i'm just wondering if you mean was it called john last blood rambo. so last blood is the fifth one yeah so the last blood is the one that I saw. Oh, you did? Okay. I did see that one. So that's 2019. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that's much more recent. And Rambo, it's not called John Rambo. They were maybe going to call it that because Rocky Balboa called itself Rocky Balboa. And people oh. were like, oh, they're going to call it John yeah, yeah. Rambo. And they're like, no, let's just call it fucking Rambo to make it as confusing, confusing as, possible. as possible. That <laughs> is 20, so that's 2008. <laughs> That's oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So yeah. That one. That one. I. I really liked that one a lot. Yeah. That I was love very the fourth good. one. I love the. Yeah. One. Really. Really good. Yeah. Very. Very gory and bloody. Oh yeah. So gory. Sure. So. So incredibly brutal. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. No. I. I enjoy them all for different reasons. Um. You know. I think Rambo, First Blood Part Two is kind of like my favorite, but I mean, it's super cheeseball. You know, yeah. it, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's yeah. sort of like that consummate '80s, you know, shoot 'em up. Action it is movie. like Commando or something, um, right? Right. So I don't know. It's it's a it's a cool one, I think. But um, and you know, I mean, people had people were very very split on Rambo: Last Blood. I don't know that too many people loved it, but um, you know, uh, I mean, I I liked it. I don't yeah, know. I liked I, it a lot. I enjoyed it. I don't know, whatever. Um. I appreciated that they picked up at the end of the fourth one. Uh, for clarity, I'm not going to call it Rambo. I'm just going to call it the fourth one. <laughs> Rambo four. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, at the end of that, he went back people. to his ranch. He went back to his horse ranch. So we pick up yeah. and it's like, yeah, he's been there ever since. And then he has to go do one one final thing, but it's just to save a kid. So I don't yeah. know. I, I, I liked it. But um, yeah. cool. All right, man. That was a great one. Um, but alchemy you want to go next yeah sure thing um so i chose to do the very original 1968 
Planet of the Apes movie. Um, and the reason why I chose to do this movie uh, was because I, I've basically seen Planet of the Apes in different iterations, like one form or another, for a long time. You know, you had the uh, Tim Burton one from the early 2000s that, like, essentially, to me, was just a movie I saw one time. Like, it didn't have a ton of staying power for me. It wasn't a movie that, like, I thought about a lot. It was just a movie I saw this one time. It didn't really, uh, you know, do a lot for me. Uh, and it wasn't until uh, the the trilogy that came afterwards, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn, and War for the Planet of the Apes, that I really stopped in my tracks and went, this is pretty fucking awesome. Like, Ri Rise of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn were mind-blowing to me. And War of the Planet of the Apes, I remember feeling iffy about, but everybody who I've read recent reviews on it, going back and stuff, said that it's like an incredible movie and is like a perfect cap to that trilogy. So I kind of just want to watch it again. So I'm going to suspend my you know judgment on that one. Uh, but I loved those. And then it was just kind of like a, you know, a, a lot of different people, you know, Steve, uh, some of my my friends and and just, you know, pop culture in general. Um, there's there's a, a band that I really like called Star One, and all of their songs are based off of different sci-fi movies. And one of their songs is called Human See, Human Do, and it's based off Planet of the Apes. So there's just like a lot of different references to this original movie. And it was high time that I checked this shit out. Uh, so I did that. And, uh, you know, uh, here we go. Um, but yeah, so basically, I unfortunately already knew how the movie ended. The Maniacs, uh, they blew it up? The Maniacs, they blew it up. Uh, so I already knew the ending, which sucks, because that's so key. And I'm not going to say it, just in case anyone hasn't seen it. Uh, but that does kind of color how you watch the movie. Uh, but mm -hmm. you can't avoid it. It's like been referenced in pop culture forever. <laughs> and it even is so far as to be the cover of the fucking VHS release for this movie. <laughs> it's so <laughs> weird. It's like, why the hell yeah. would you do that? Yeah. So it's really just so ridiculous. But, you know, it's up there with the classic movie spoiler endings like Soylent Green and, mm -hmm. you know, Citizen Kane and like all just all these different ones but anyway um 1968's planet of the ape was directed by franklin j schaffner and written by michael wilson as well as none other than rod serling himself known by all for the twilight zone i um, did but, not know that yeah so interestingly rod serling did the original script for this movie and they had to tone it down because of budget reasons he actually wanted the apes to be pretty advanced and have a lot of like sci-fi kind of uh you know, advancements, flying cars, whatever, like maybe not exactly flying cars, but more high tech stuff. And because of budget reasons, they had to go in and, and change it. And Michael Wilson made some of those edits, but Rod Serling uh, co-wrote the script to this movie. Which that is, is really neat. cool. I didn't know that. And uh, and it's it's kind of cool because uh, you can if you watch this movie knowing that you can draw a fair number of comparisons to various different Twilight Zone episodes. Uh, and um James Rolfe over at Cinemassacre uh, had a cool video that was kind of breaking down some of those comparisons. That was really neat to see that. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's really fun. That's super neat. And uh, the movie stars Charlton Heston, who was the only actor that I like knew was in this movie. Uh, he plays the main character, Taylor, uh, who's a, a human astronaut who's traveling into deep space on this super long mission and, you know, whatever. I, 
essentially you don't really get to know a whole hell of a lot other than their space explorers. Um, it's the first time I've seen Charlton Heston doing anything. Uh, although I've seen Wayne's World, I've seen, I've seen the cameo you you told me about, Steve, but that was so long ago, I didn't even know what the hell I was looking at. Um, but yeah, so Charlton Heston, uh, great I know actor. this is a small part, but like, can we get like a better <laughs> actor than this? God. God. Uh, yeah, so Charlton Heston acts with his fucking teeth. And like, <laughs> I, I don't say this as a dig or like a compliment yeah. or anything. It's just an observation. Like, he pronounces words in ways yeah. I've never seen humans pronounce words. Yeah. He doesn't close his lips. He just sort of like uses his teeth to create consonant sounds. <laughs> like, I, honestly, oh the more I talk about it, the grosser it sounds. And it's not that bad if you watch him just acting. But man, it was so immediately striking. I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? How did he just say that word? Like, let's go back. Let's go to the instant replay. Um, how did he? How did he form that p the p sound there? Right. Let's go back. Right. Right. He just said periscope and didn't close his lips. What? How? Oh my god. Ventriloquist. <laughs> like, is he yeah. voicing all the apes? <laughs> he might as well be. Oh, oh fuck. Roddy McDowell plays Cornelius. Roddy McDowell, who I only knew from uh, uh, Fright Night um as as mm -hmm. van helsing um but you don't really get to no, see peter Rodney vincent McDowell. oh peter vincent <laughs> the van helsing like character yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i don't know my head i always fucking do that switch up um, peter vincent vampire vincent. killer mm -hmm. um and he plays cornelius and is one of the apes uh he's actually one of the chimpanzees uh and then kim hunter plays uh, his partner dr zira and they're both like so so the, they kind of break down the different species with kind of different dispositions so like the chimpanzees all tend to be smarter science t scientific types like research focused whatever um cornelius is an archaeologist dr zira is kind of like a medical doctor like behavioral scientist um and then they have uh, gorillas that are like the military force, the big, you know, muscle makes sense. And then there are the orangutans. Uh, you know, everybody knows Dr. Zayas, uh, played by Maurice Whoa, Evans. Dr. Zayas. Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Like, honestly, the only thing I knew about this movie for the longest time was a character was named Dr. Zayas from that one thing from The Simpsons. That's all. Like, man, that was used in YTMND for so many years as audio that it was just referenced forever. Um, but yeah, so the orangutans are kind of like government. They are religious overlords. They are the people who are, you know, making sure shit kind of all stays running and stays together they're all the government mucky mucks uh the ape makeup in this movie is really something to behold i mean it's 1968 right and i mean going back to like twilight zone episodes and stuff there was obviously great makeup you know in a in a handful of episodes there um but the ape makeup is incredible like it takes up so much of the actor's face but you're able to get a ton of emotion just through the actor's eyes, uh, mm -hmm. especially Dr. Zira. Dr. Zira is my favorite. Like she's so endearing and she really like cares. She cares about Taylor. Once Taylor, you know, his, his ship crash lands and he's on this mysterious planet and he gets kidnapped and all this other stuff. Dr. Zira is like the only one who's like really trying to help him out. And she's helping him out almost like a wounded animal and then finds out very right. quickly that he's not he's not like the other 
humans on this planet. All the other humans seem like very simple, very caveman-ish. And the apes are the smart ones. He's not like but... the other man filth. <laughs> <laughs> he, he ain't like that other trash. Uh, but he gets shot in the neck, which seems like something that would kill somebody. Like saying that out loud, I'm like, oh yeah, it was just think, a neck wound. I think most of the time. Yeah. Right, right. But like, it was Probably only fatal. a neck wound. Uh, that prevented him from speaking. It's only a neck wound. Got another one. <laughs> no, you don't. Um, and so she is just awesome. And I, I love Kim Hunter in this role. I had never seen her in another, you know, movie. Um, but she's just got this like incredible warmth and like emotional, uh, like just ability to portray that she cares so much. And it's all with mm-hmm. this makeup on the face and, and like the mouth movements and everything are really great. Um, and it's just, it's amazing. Like you're so, uh, what's the word? Um, immersed. You're like immersed in this whole ridiculous plot because even though the, the, you know, the apes and everyone on paper, they look kind of silly. It's like a silly design for like an ape person, you know, I don't know. They, they're not like, uh, I, I don't even know what else to compare it to, but they look so great in motion. That it doesn't even matter. It's just it is really convincing, uh, and so yeah, that acting and everything is awesome. Makeup looks awesome. Uh, I feel like the movie kind of has two distinct arcs. Um, the beginning of the movie is like a sci-fi adventure that's fraught with danger. Uh, the ship that Taylor is traveling on crash lands, like I had said, on this planet. The crash lands into water, and all of a sudden, every you know, shit's going sideways real fast. They all wake up from you know cryo sleep, and one of the cryo chambers got like broken or got messed up in transit, and uh, the doctor who was inside of it just aged the entire time they were traveling. Ooh. So she's like a fucking mummy. <laughs> she's like really fucking dead and uh that's just really early in the movie and it's so gruesome um and then you know the second arc of the movie is after they land and they're all kind of exploring this strange landscape and they're all just kind of ribbing on each other and like oh well you know earth is long behind us you know stop uh stop worrying about the people that are on earth and all this other shit because we live here now <laughs> like taylor's like such a fucking like he has no give a shit for the other two guys who are like oh you know blah 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 and you know my family and all or whatever and he's like yeah well that's not reality anymore hey you're gonna have to join me in reality here and uh it's just it's like he's he's so instantly with it join like, me in my teeth in this reality <laughs> come and and know me better man but uh I don't know. It's just it's just funny. Like he so quickly adapts. You're like, damn, dude. Like you don't like fuck. Give them a give them a second, man. <laughs> you just got here. It's not like the easiest thing to to admit that. Like, yeah, seven hundred years have gone by and everyone's dead. Give and them a moment, I, please. Give them a fucking moment. Uh, <laughs> and so then the second arc is like uh, they get beset upon by the apes. They get shot at. One of the guys dies. One of the guys gets. Uh, injured and carried away and then taylor also gets injured but we get to see his perspective and the you know a huge chunk of the rest of the movie like an hour and 20 minutes or so is just trying to see when uh whenever nova is gonna come on the screen next (laughs) yeah nova's great (laughs) by great i mean mean, she's a gorgeous woman (laughs) we we all we all know (laughs) Uh, you don't you don't you don't necessarily all know but she she is wonderful uh but yeah i mean this was her acting debut 
Um, I didn't even write her name down, which is fucking ridiculous. You know, she actually I, has a cameo in the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes movie, and so does oh, Charlton cool. Heston. Yeah, Charlton oh, Heston plays okay. a... I should, I should watch that. Yeah. Again. It, I mean, nobody likes it, but I mean, I, I like it. I should watch it. it again, though. Yeah, I just... It's got like Marky the... Mark, though, so, you know, you don't really have to. <sighs> Dude, Mark Wahlberg is one of those actors for me. Like, he <laughs> hurts a movie in large quantities if he's present. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I have think... a really hard time getting over Mark Wahlberg factor. <laughs> no, we do, we do. Um, <laughs> uh, so Helena Bottom Carter is the uh, is kind of like the Zira type, uh, and she's great. Okay. And uh, and oh, Paul she Giamatti. plays that character. Oh my god, yeah. I never even connected. That. Yeah, and Paul Giamatti is awesome in mm. this movie, and he's like mm. a like a scheming orangutan who doesn't fit with the other type the archetype of his species or whatever and he's kind of like a, what is this right now are cheesy. we are we on the planet of apes is this a is this an ape planet guys guys yeah. is this the planet of apes wait hold on let me look around hold on yeah. hold on guys yeah looks like <laughs> okay though because like i i thought that this was a planet of the apes and like this definitely is a planet of the apes guys yeah all right you Mark, know i'm, I'm pretty that. sure I'm pretty sure it is. Yep, I yep, looked over don't even my do a shoulder. Take. There was uh, there were some gibbons, and uh, and and you know, f- fun fact: gibbons, although gibbons. they look kind of monkey-like, they they don't have tails. Mm-hmm. So I I think apes. Yes, I think they can. Yeah, yeah, they're apes. I think there was just a rogue band of gibbons. Yeah, there are. <laughs> but yeah, so the movie when he's captured is frustrating. It's genuinely frustrating because you feel. You know, you've come along with them. You've seen what they're supposed to be able to do here. And like, you know what? I think slavery sucks. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's what they're I trying think to do. It's actually a bad thing. They're they're trying to get you to go, oh, see, now this is tables turned. You got the apes imprisoning hum uh, you know, the humans, and it's just you're you're getting to see, you know, what slavery is like firsthand. But it's not even like they use them as like slaves exclusively they do make them do stuff for them but they also just kind of like study them and don't give them any credit and don't really say you know much or or give them you know to a second thought and so taylor can't talk for so much of the movie that you're like dude what the fuck the whole time you're just trying to you know hoping that he's going to get it across to them that he's intelligent and because none of the other humans none of the other humans have the ability to speak in this planet of the yep. apes as it were humans are all hmm. mute but they taylor got shot in the fucking neck and he <laughs> should be he, he i'm should sure be he's counting neck. his lucky blessings you know that he's not he's not pushing up daisies on you this missed all of planet, my trachea which is thank very you. helpful yeah <laughs> very useful to do that but yeah so i mean that part of the movie i think is hard to watch it's not done poorly. It's not the movie. It's not a bad movie. It's just, right. it's frustrating. So right. being invested in the movie, you're like, okay, I'm not enjoying this because I feel frustrated. So whatever, you know, it's, it's done really well. I feel repressed. I oh, see I, that. I feel your plight, you see that? bro. Uh, but yeah, so anyway, he gets his ability to talk back. He's able to kind of get through this stuff. And again, I'm, I'm not going to say what this, the ending of the movie is. I, uh-huh. It's fine. If you know it, you already know it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, right. the, the ending of the movie is a really amazing ending. It yeah, changes it so is. much about how you viewed the movie. And it really makes you want to watch the movie a second time right away. 
because you feel like, oh shit, I now have new information and this changes everything. Yeah. And it's very cool. It's very well done. It's an amazing final shot and sequence. And the way that Heston just delivers that final, you know, line, it's like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, this is really, yeah. this is the worst fucking outcome. And, uh, and yeah, so, I mean, I, I give it so much, so much props, so much respect. I really, really enjoyed watching. I was thrilled to finally see it. Uh, and the other, the last note I'll have is because I always want to talk about the music a little bit. Um, the music across the film was done by Jerry Goldsmith, and the music was not even close to your typical sci-fi movie soundtrack. It's like really tense. It has a lot of like frightening suspense buildup. Uses like a lot of dissonance and harsh tones, and just like you know just this kind of like creeping notes of like like stuff like building up and you're just always feeling tense and stressed out and uh i really like it it's effective you know that kind of stuff i always am listening for and it it made the movie feel scary more than it would have made the movie feel like a whimsical space adventure, which is good because it's not that. Right. Um, I feel like the wrong composer who didn't understand what this movie was doing may have composed something, you know, sprawling and, you know, with melodies more akin to like, you know, back to the future, like these big sweeping triumphant kind of typical for sci-fi movie soundtracks. Uh, Jerry mm-hmm. Goldsmith understood the assignment. Like he built a very tense uh, landscape soundscape for this movie. And like, it's not anything I want to sit down and listen to, but it definitely plays a role in the movie having the atmosphere. It does. So I mean, would, would you say that it's uh, cause it's been a while for me. I um, know this is a movie I saw a million times as a kid and I loved, always loved. Um, but I haven't seen in decades at this point. I would like to, but I just, it's been a long time. Yeah, I had um, to rent it. I couldn't find it to stream anywhere. Oh, okay. So would you say it's sort of similar to uh, the Leslie Nielsen joint forbidden planet? Because that is like kind of same sort of thing where it's not, it, there's, there's no score. Mm. You know, they, the, the, they took a different route. They're like, well, we want you to feel something so that movie has just like bleeps and bloops going on mm-hmm. at all times it has spacey sounds mm-hmm. lots of space sounds on that one yeah so but it's not so like this, songs right so this is this is different than that even still which is also another cool approach to doing sci-fi soundtrack differently but yeah this is not just like ambient noise going on it is clearly you know written you know s- stretches of music melodies whatever but they're just done in a way that's not it's nothing you can hum, you know, it's not, it's like a melodic, I think is the term when there's not like, Oh, there's a tune to it. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like, it is <clears throat> musical, but it's very abstract. I don't know. It sounds so pretentious talking gotcha. about this, but definitely listen to it um, and watch the movie. If you haven't seen it, because it is, it ages very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the transfer that's available now, I'm assuming, is a Criterion Collection transfer. I don't honestly know, um, but I I rented it on YouTube for like four dollars, and it looked incredible for like 1968. Holy shit, it was like crystal clear. So that was also really neat to to see it in such a great um, you know transfer of the movie too. Nice, yeah. I really really want to see this again. Um, 
I, I'm happy to watch them all. You know, I, I've seen the first two a lot of times and then the sequels after that, um, just bits and pieces. I feel like mm-hmm. I never sat through an entire movie of the sequels beyond that. But mm-hmm. and I think there was yeah, a TV was, show was, too. But there, um, there was a TV show and a cartoon that I learned about that crazy. were all and from the sure same that era. Roddy McDowell was in everything. I'm pretty sure he was. Cornelius he was definitely in, in all the movies. Yeah. I, I and I I just didn't get to read up on the other things, but yeah, you're probably right. Mm. Uh, and and what's really interesting that I didn't know, but I learned from just kind of watching a retrospective is that, and I think it's the third Planet of the Apes movie, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, is when Cornelius and Zira have a child, and their child is named Caesar, and Caesar is the ape who's in Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Mm. I didn't know that. I didn't know that that ape was even in the original. Well, I canon. think they. I think the idea is that Caesar was the first ape that rose up in their history. So, oh, they're okay. naming their baby after this historical oh, figure, and okay. then for the prequels, we're seeing Caesar actually rise up. So, I certainly thought that Caesar was going to be a bad guy uh, mm-hmm. with that first, the James Franco remake, mm-hmm. um, because he looks very sinister and yeah, all the stuff. And yeah, I was like, Oh yeah, he's, he's, he, he's anti-human. He's against the humans. He's going to rise up and, uh, and defeat us, kick our butts. Yep. And, uh, and he ended up being a very heroic character, a very, yeah. you know, character that was very interested in justice and really, really great character. Um, yeah, yeah, that, that trilogy is incredible. And it's not even a trilogy anymore because now there's a fourth one coming out. Right. <clears throat> right. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, man, that's just some of the best filmmaking and like special effects ever. And I think I was talking to you recently, Steve, about how for some reason, you know, that Planet of the Apes series, that new one, just doesn't ever seem to be in the conversation for like best special effects. But holy shit. I know. It it's so weird. It's crazy. The, the, like Maurice is the most convincing special effect I've ever seen. Like he looks the, the like an orangutan. Yeah. He doesn't look yeah. like an effect. Caesar is impressive and amazing and an incredible mocap and an awesome. But he doesn't job. look like a chimp. But he looks he like doesn't something look, else. Right. He doesn't look like right. a real chimp. Maurice looks like a fucking orangutan, and I can't understand how they made him. It's like yeah. holy crap. <laughs> like that is the special effect, is the one you don't notice. The one you don't even realize is one that's the one i want to talk about so yeah i don't yeah. know really really cool uh, series of movies but it was so much fun getting to watch nice. the original nice nice good awesome. times great pick great pick i, I just want to i just want to add real quick um the band hillian hillian prime on yep. their question everything album they have a song called the forbidden zone based on the movie oh nice. huh so that's it's neat. really 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 cool that's super out. cool. Yeah, the Forbidden Zone is the section of the the world in the Planet of the Apes where the apes are not allowed to go, and it's just like in the ancient scrolls that like you're not supposed oh. to go there and whatever. And it's because there's there's just problematic stuff there that they don't know that the orangutans don't want anyone to see or find or whatever. So yeah. it's the Forbidden Zone. Do we see what what's there in the first we movie? Do, I don't yes. remember. We do, yep. So once once Taylor gets freed um, and, and and is able to break out, uh, he, they go straight there. He goes there with Cornelius and Zira because he's like, uh, I mean, who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? They they <laughs> tell me say, not to do something, apes. I'm gonna want to do nothing else. I'm gonna freaking do it. <laughs> what they say is that they think there's another uh, 
jungle on the other side and they think that there may be another tribe of humans over there so it's kind of like a hail mary of like well i can't stay here so let's see what's over there well i can't stay here (laughs) but yeah anyway that's that awesome Awesome. okay so uh rounding it out i will deliver mine it is a uh 1975 movie uh I had obviously never seen, and it's a movie that may not be quite as classic as the the two. Well, I mean, I don't know. In my opinion, again, different people, you know, different mileage. Your mileage may vary. Uh, it's a movie that I've certainly heard of for a long time, um, and I decided, what the hell? I'm going to see Dog Day Afternoon. This is Ooh, okay. um, a very successful movie. As I said, 1975. Uh, starring Al Pacino, hot off the uh, the tales of I think Godfather Two. I think I think was before this. I think both one and two can, had come out already. If not, then certainly the first one did. But I think the first two had been out. But um, I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm just not a Godfather guy. That I have seen though. I have seen the first one. I haven't seen the second one. Okay. Okay. Um, but anyway, so Al Pacino, uh, very much in his prime, full energy Al Pacino. Um, and he plays Sonny Wartzik, who, um, we know nothing about anything. The movie just plops us into this scene and tells us nothing. So what's really kind of interesting is to, you know, spend the first sort of half of it figuring out what the hell is going on and whether or not these guys know what they're doing or not. It is at and the, the heart of it is it is a, a bank robbery movie. Um, it's a, a thriller bank robbery movie. So these uh, three guys just go into this bank. We get no story. And very quickly, uh, shit hits the fan. And Pacino, you know, full energy Pacino, he's out there. He's like, all right, all right, everybody, you know, this is happening. And he's he's doing his thing and he's being real loud. And they're going around, they're doing all the, these things. And, and he goes like around to the cameras with a can of spray paint. And he just kind of walks up to the cameras and like sprays them. But he's got no mask. So it's like, yeah, dude, but like, obviously you looked right at the camera as you were spraying it. So at first <laughs> you're like, oh, come on, movie. This is dumb. Like you know this this is so dumb like that that doesn't make any sense but you you gotta just keep watching and i mean what you learn is these guys have no idea what they're doing they're not they're not seasoned pros by any means they suck at this um so the three guys very quickly go down to two and this is another thing like you learn really quick like okay you're like all right uh he's spray painting these things uh it looks like uh he kind of doesn't know what he's doing and then one of the guys is like sonny i i can't do it i I can't do it sonny i gotta go and and pacino is just like what are you doing to me what are you doing to me and you're like you're not sure you don't know if these guys are hardened murderers or something like you don't know you don't know a damn thing and uh He's just like, ah, all right, you got to go. Oh, okay. All right. Well, don't take the car. Leave the car. We got to leave. Yeah, leave the car. We need the car for later. And the guy's like, oh, okay. Okay, bye. And he just leaves. <laughs> and they're like, what? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> so you, it is such a trial by fire as to like figuring out what the hell is going on. And, you know, understanding why, like who these guys are and, you know, 
why they're doing what they're doing and, and why they suck at it. And uh, it sort of is like uh, just a series of, of bad decisions. Uh, but the thing is that he's Al Pacino's character. Sonny is like, he's like too nice to be a bank robber. He's, he's so nice that like over the course of the movie, everybody in the bank just kind of likes him. And like, <laughs> they don't really, they sort of just end up like, like going along with it. And it's almost like a, like a Stockholm syndrome type thing or something. But the whole thing takes place only in, in, in like, I don't know, four hours or something like that. And the thing is, uh, this movie is based on true events. So it actually oh, cool. is, it is based on a specifically, it's based on <clears throat> an article called the boys in the bank, which is a 1972 life magazine article by pf kluge and um all the names were changed for the movie but a lot of it is really accurate like they they changed stuff they did they they made it you know a movie but they honestly kept a lot of the details and um mm. one of the things that so the director of this movie uh his, <clears throat> his name is sydney lumet and one of the things he said, he wanted this to look as realistic as possible. And so one of the concessions he made, he's like, okay, I'm not going to use movie lights. I'm not going to light this oh. like a movie. So yeah, yeah. we're going to use like lights that are in the bank and we're going to use sunlight. And like, so it doesn't really look like a normal movie. And it it does give it almost that air of like a documentary or something, but of course it is cinematic because it's, you know, it plays out like a movie and the scenes flow like a movie does and cuts and angles and all the stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, there is like this quality to it that it has um, that sets it apart. And uh, so what happens is like the first part of the movie is like him trying to establish himself in the bank barking orders at everybody establishing dominance and every single time like you get to a point where in any other movie the bank robber would get mad and probably shoot somebody he just sort of rolls over every time and that's where you kind of get that like he's too nice to do this and everybody sort of starts to like they they're still afraid of him and he still has a gun and his partner still has a gun and they are still afraid of them but over the course of the movie, it becomes pretty apparent that they're not going to do anything um, because of Al Pacino's character, because his his partner, who is uh, Salvatore, is played by John Cazale. And John Cazale was a movie was a movie actor who was, was a stage actor, then movie actor. He was only in like six or seven things. Um, and they're all like big, humongous things like he was in, you know, the Godfather one, Godfather two, the deer hunter, this bunch of like big important 70s movies and he died when he was really young he was like i don't know oh, early geez. early 40s or something like that but oh, wow. every single movie he's a really weird looking guy but he's rocking single, the skullet in this he, movie yeah he, no he's that's just his hair like he he just always looked like that i think that i ever saw him but Damn. uh he he uh you know in this movie his character is like way more psycho than Sonny. And you get the sense that honestly, Sonny is keeping him from shooting people. 
because he kind of really wants to. Gotcha. And uh, but Sonny really does not. He's like he's it's all bluff. He is there's no way he's gonna yeah he's gonna kill I did anybody. Not in fact, come in he, here looking to kill anybody. Yeah, right. it's all right. bullshit. It's all bullshit. And if they called him out on it and push came to shove, he he would back off. There, you you know that there's no way he would kill anybody. And um, in fact, he only shoots his, his gun one time, and it's at it's at a a wall. Um, out of out of window or whatever. But so then the second part of the movie is when the cops kind of get wise that something's going on. So yeah. then they start to gather outside and um and then it becomes this sort of battle of wills between Al Pacino's uh character and uh sergeant police sergeant Eugene Moretti played by Charles Durning and um Again, uh, every single character's name was changed, but every character in the movie pretty much had an analog in real life. Like, so, you know, a lot of the scenes played out like on TV, like this was all filmed and it all really happened. And it became this like sensation in New York. And uh, this one dog day afternoon, this just really hot, hot freaking afternoon day. Oh, okay. And, uh, Which means like it's a hot day. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was like uh, it was all on TV and they became like instant celebrities and like and like TV studios were calling inside the bank to like try to interview him and stuff like that. And he was kind of eating it up a little bit. So mm -hmm. so the middle of the movie is that and he's kind of like battle of wills with the cops and trying to, you know, make demands. But he's also clearly trying to figure it out because he thought he went in there trying to you know, hoping that they would pull it off really quick and then get out and be gone. That was, that okay. was the hope. Um, what happens that I haven't mentioned is uh, they screwed something up and he was counting on money being there because there's like uh, a truck that comes and picks up uh, the deposits at like 11 o'clock every day. So he's timed this. So it's before that. So it's going to have the whole previous day's take. And he's thinking like, he's going to get, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Yeah. And he gets there and they're like, Oh my God, you're going to think we're lying, but the truck came early today. And he's like, he's oh, like what do you mean no. the truck came early? You know, like, yeah, it came at nine 30 today. And he's like, what? No, it comes at 11. They're like, no, I know you're good. Please don't shoot us. Like, oh, they're like, shit. I swear to God, look, I can show you. Look, there was like 11 there. I know there. I think it was like $1,100 in the bank is all they had or something like that. Oh, it, was like, it was like nothing. He's oh, like, what? Fuck. And then he's and then he's just trying to figure out what he's going to do. And then he's just ends up being, you know, trapped because the cops get get wise of him. And so so that goes on for a while. And honestly, it's all so great because Al Pacino is not only amazingly entertaining to watch at all times but also like he truly is like very good at being unintentionally funny like the character <laughs> he's not supposed like he's it's just it's, like actually frantic he's just so <laughs> bad at everything he's so bad and he's too nice and he's trying so hard to be a tough badass and he just sucks at it and you know it's like the people in the bank allow him to have that power because they they are afraid of his guns but you know that they know he's not going to hurt them after a certain point. So they, it really becomes that they just kind of like him. But anyway, uh, so, so the big, the big twist is um, it happens, you know, probably three quarters of the way through where you actually learn why they were robbing the bank. And the reason is oh. because 
um, he, and this is the real reason for the real actual bank robbery is the guy who, uh, the guy who did it admitted that he was robbing the bank to pay for his boyfriend's sex change operation. Oh, wow. Um, wow. So that, um, that character in the movie is played by Chris Sarandon of Fright Night. Oh, geez. Uh, this was, this was a very early role for Chris Sarandon. Uh, and he plays a character called Leon Shermer. Um, the real trans woman was Elizabeth Eden. And, um, and they had broken up by this point because Leon, who, by the way, was married with kids. Um, he just had like a side life. Um, he uh, was a little unstable. <laughs> was prone to fits of you know extreme behaviors and whatever yeah um and so already at that point uh the the leon character had um broken up with sunny um and wanted nothing more to do with him but and sunny like sort of accepted that but was like just wanted to do one final grand gesture and was just like I'm not doing it felt like he wasn't doing this to get Leon back. It was just his final thing that he but he still wanted to do it. He's like, but I, mm-hmm. I said I would pay for this. I said I would right, get you right. where and you want to do be. it. Damn it. And yeah. God damn it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pay for your sex change operation because there's no way they could afford it any other way. And um, so anyway, there's so uh, Chris Randon is only in one scene, really. Um, it's very very good scene they're just on the phone they get um they get leon to talk to to talk to sunny on the phone the cops are there with leon and whatever and so you learn all this and then later you meet the wife the wife calls and stuff and anyway so it it keeps going and whatever and then the final bit of the movie is basically the escape it's basically like okay they made a deal with the cops and they're like i will release x amount of prisoners and um, you got to get us a flight to Mexico, or I think th- it's not Mexico. I think they're going to, uh, I don't know. I can't remember the country they're going to actually. It's some, some Latin country, I think. And they're going like Salvador or something. And they, they're like going and they're like, okay, get us, get us this plane and give us a ride to the airport. And we're going to take the rest of the prisoners with us, but you know, we'll send them home. And, yeah. um, they can come home on the plane once we're safe in, in Salvador or wherever. Um, so that was the deal. So at this point they go outside and it's very tense because it's obviously scary. You know, they're expecting to get shot at any moment and the cops are worried that they're going to kill the, you know, the various, uh, hostages. And honestly, the hostages aren't worried that much. I think probably the least, honestly. Yeah. And, um, and they even, some of them even get the opportunity to leave and they're like, no, we'll stay. It's fine. We'll stay. Um, right. there are certain ones. Thing. Yeah. And there's certain people that like had problems that really like the one guy was like, Oh, he's, he's diabetic. And, um, anyway, so like, they're like, no, no, he should just go. We're fine. We're okay here. And yeah. like, they, like Sonny got them pizzas. He's like, I want some pizzas in here. And like that <laughs> apparently like really happened. He really ordered pizzas and the, the cops just, <laughs> the oh, sorry, they're hostage for so damn long. <laughs> yeah. He's like, we got these people fed. Um, but anyway, so the final bit, so they're, they're headed, 
they're gonna they're headed out of the bank and they're getting in the car and the driver of the car um is lance henriksen and this is actually lance henriksen's oh first movie what? and the crazy thing oh, is wow. so yeah and he's he's super young you know 75 um and the cool thing is uh so i had told this story in our aliens episode that we did with el guru and uh which i can't say his name without doing that and um and uh yeah so the the time that i got to meet lance henriksen and have coffee with him for half an hour uh one of my favorite celebrities freaking interactions ever probably so probably cool. my favorite um he told us like all these crazy random stories he was just like talking he, he really was so nice and really just sort of like was there sitting there by himself and was like so happy to just be like oh yeah let's have let's talk let's hang out because he was just sitting there by himself doing nothing and he told us all different stuff and one of the things he told us was about dog day afternoon and he had this story. He's like, he's like, yeah, you know, th that was my first job. And uh, he's like, I woke up late. And he's like, you know, it, I, I, I'm not, I didn't live that far away from where it was filming. So I, I was sort of, sort of wasn't worried about getting there on time. But then I slept late, and then it was like, oh my god, I have to get there, and it's, it's <laughs> kind of cross town. And he's like, I'm, I'm racing to the set, and I'm like, oh my god, you blew it, you idiot. You know, you uh, you, you like had this I this role in this Pacino movie, and uh, and you you freaking idiot. And so he gets there, and he was uh, he was late. He was like twenty minutes late, and he he gets on set, and he's like out of breath, and he goes up to the director, uh, to Sidney Lumet, and he 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 just doesn't know what to say, and he's like out of breath, and he's just standing there panting, and Sidney Lumet's like, "Well, are you ever gonna do this again?" And he's like. Nope. <laughs> no fucking way. I want to be on he's time like, forever. Yeah, right, right. So he's like, you goddamn right you're never gonna do this again. And uh he's like, get 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 in place, like you know, get on, on your, your queue, whatever. And so, like, um, I don't know. So, like at that point, I'm like, I gotta see this movie. I I I've never seen it, and you know, it's Pacino and whatever, so it sort of put the bug in my ear about this. And uh, and I'm happy I saw it. So you know, so Lance Henriksen is in the end. He's it's not a humongous role, but it's not microscopic either. And uh, the interesting thing is, I noticed um, I was rewatching some scenes. I did also have to rent this. It's not streaming anywhere for free, so I only got to see it once. Unfortunately, I would have watched it twice, but um, but yeah, I I was watching like YouTube videos, like you know reviews and explanations and breakdowns and different things like that. And I actually I happened to notice there's a scene like in the middle of the movie where you can see a crowd of people and Lance Henriksen is just there. Oh, so wow. clearly it makes sense. He's like one of the cops. Yeah. But um, it's kind of interesting because later they sort of make you wonder if he's really one of the cops or not, and it's kind of interesting how they do it. But it, they put him in there earlier in that one, at least Neat. in that one shot that I happened to notice, which is pretty fun. So I won't give the very, very end away or anything, but um, yeah, it's a, it's a great movie. Um, and uh, in real life, uh, you know, the guy did not get away. He went to jail and, um, and uh, you know, did not get to pay for uh, Miss Eden's surgery, although she did eventually have a sex change surgery, and she lived uh, until the late 80s. Unfortunately, she died of AIDS. Um, 
later. But um, but the real guy's name is John Wajowski. No, 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 it's not. I said it completely wrong. It's actually kind of a hard name. It's uh, John, like, it's Wajowitz. Wajowitz, I think it is. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, he did his time, got out, and literally, like, sort of milked this forever. So, like, he would he would sit out in front of where the bank used to be and set up a table and just, like, have autographs. And, like, like 8 by 10s would be like, hey, this is, I'm the guy who robbed the bank here that used to be here. You wanna, want my autograph? Oh my uh, take God. a picture with me? <laughs> like, he literally, did, like, this is, like, um, so funny. Um, but, That's crazy. Uh, yeah, he, he passed away in 2006 at the age of 60. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely, definitely a character. And, uh, you know, it just sort of makes the, the, the movie all the more fun, uh, because it truly is supposed to be pretty darn accurate as far as what actually happened. But anyway, so dog day afternoon is my pick and I definitely recommend it for you guys. Uh, biographical crime drama, seventies, very seventies. Not much color in this movie at all. 70s hated color if it wasn't orange. <laughs> That's true. <Right. laughs> yeah, it's very earthy. Cool. No, it sounds awesome. It's not yeah, a movie that absolutely. was on my radar ever, but uh, I am also guilty of like literally seeing no Al Pacino movies. Like I've seen The Godfather 1 and 2, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to see this. It sounds, it seen... sounds like a great role. Have you... Have... It was a great, it was a great role. And he didn't, he super didn't want to do it. He kept turning oh, it down huh. because he's like, well, it's because he was coming off the Godfather. I really think it was the second one. Can you, can you look up to see what year Godfather, Godfather two was? Um, but he was coming off playing, you know, Michael Corleone, which is, you know, high energy and very intense. And he's like, 74. This, okay. Yeah. Okay. So directly off of Godfather two. So he said, he really didn't want to go into another physically demanding, you know, full body, full energy role. Mm -hmm. And so he, he just wanted to like, take it easy for a couple of yeah, years. Yeah. Take yeah. A, take really a breather like, for a sec. Okay. Um, and uh, they, they really courted him. They really wanted him to be in it and he eventually ended up doing it. But um, yeah, he, he didn't want to, but it is truly like a, a very, a very high energy role. It really is. I keep saying it, but it just is. And uh, something else I want to mention, just the last thing I'll end on this. Um, I think this is a really famous scene that I certainly have heard of, but I didn't know was from this movie. It's, uh, you know, he goes outside and he yells, Attica, Attica, Attica. Have you heard of like just shouting Attica, not knowing what it means, but like. Not anything? really. No, not really. No, no. Huh. Um, so. Uh, so apparently Attica was a prison and um, the reference, it was very, very recent in uh, historically. It had just happened in the early seventies. It was a prison and there was a, a prison riot and the, uh, the prisoners were revolting because conditions were so bad. Oh, and okay. uh, so they, like took over the prison, but they just wanted to be treated better. They weren't even saying like, let us out, you know, and uh, it was not handled well. And the, the guards or police, or I'm not quite sure I'm not an expert, but they, they killed a lot of the prisoners. 
uh, in the revolt. A lot of the prisoners. So they did not handle this well. So nope. he's shouting Attica, Attica, Attica to rile up the crowd to be anti-cop, basically. Gotcha. Everyone kind of yeah. got the reference at that time, and they correct knew what because to do. it was it was so recent. Um, but I, yeah, I I didn't realize that was from this movie. But I talk talk with my hands, and I just literally broke my mic. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, that's that. So we'll end with that, uh, guys. Uh, we're we're we've done it. We're at the end of the yeah. five finale. Woo! Good Hell stuff. Yeah. This is obviously a very, very long episode, but you know what? Uh, it we should hope you enjoyed be. it. And um, and uh, we will get out of your hair uh, for a couple of weeks, and then we will be back with Season 6. So we alluded to some Season 6 stuff. Obviously, you guys actually know most of this anyway. Uh, 8-Bit, you want to talk a little bit about what we got planned for Season 6? Sure, yeah. So Season 6 is going to have some some shakeups, As you guys know, uh, Nintendo will no longer be part of the main hosting uh, rotation. He may appear from time to time. But yes. we are going to be bringing on Mr. Justin Cooper uh, from the from the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast and uh, and a billion other things. Uh, but Justin Cooper is going to be our, our new every episode host uh, that we will rotate through like usual. And we are also going to be uh, working in uh, another segment, actually. We can talk about uh, Burker yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, so yeah, sure. we're going to we're gonna be having uh, Burker, a.k.a. Lakey, out in on our show from time to time doing, uh, doing his own, like, B segment or, like, a C segment kind of thing. Um, we haven't decided 100% how we want to do it, um, but that's going to be fun. So there'll be a reoccurring segment by someone who's not one of the hosts of the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. and, um, I don't know. We can, that, we can say what it is. Cool stuff. We can say okay. what it is. Uh, so he's going to be playing games for the first time. So it's called the first Kraken. Uh, <laughs> and it's like his first crack at a game. Uh, and he'll be, you know, doing his, his normal, uh, kind of, just witty sense of humor, his goofiness while he's playing a game and, and, uh, and giving his honest opinion of how it goes and whatever. So it's going to be, it's going to be a treat. Uh, mm -hmm. He's always fun to listen to and that's going to be cool. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll have him on a, a primary episode of the show too. Just like you, Mr. Nintendo, uh, we'll probably have a episode or two um, that we could have some, some guests yeah. on and whatnot. So that's going to be really fun. Yeah, we really wanted to have um, Lake be uh, some part of the show, but the problem is that where he's in Iceland, the time difference is pretty massive. So yeah. um, every time that he comes on, it's like it's kind of a big deal. Like we have to yep. record at a different time. He has to stay up crazy late. Um, you know, we have to record right. way earlier than we normally would, and he has to stay up crazy late. And even then, it has to work into his. Uh, work schedule and um, His and new now he has dad a, schedule, now he has a baby. Dad so, schedule yeah. so yeah, so it's it's just one of those things where it's like, well, what if we did something like this where you could record anytime you want and just send us certain things? And also, we are going to start out the year with another. Um, so he's like our satellite B segment guy in in Iceland. We have another uh, guest B segment presenter as well in our first episode. You guys are going to get uh, the first B segment of the year is actually going to be from. Russ Lyman and I already have it. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. He's uh he did a he did a guest die monster and I can't wait to play it for you guys. It's really, really great. 
Um, so he agreed as well to, um, do a couple more, you know, and, um, if it comes up, you know, throughout the year, um, we may have, you know, three or four, um, Lake, uh, first Krakens and we may have, a you know, a couple more, uh, rust B, B segments. I don't know if they're all going to be the same or whatever, just going to kind of play it by ear, but definitely happy to get, you know, some of the friends we've made along the way. Uh, a little bit more involved with the show and, and yeah, stuff like that. Absolutely. And I think it'll be really, really good time. I actually already have two Brig interviews set up already for for the month of January. Like they actually came to me. So it's like we're kind of at that point where, especially with the authors, you know, I'm getting I'm getting asked if uh people can come on. So um, so you know, we got some we got a couple interviews lined up for you already. And that should be fun. And some of these people are, these are both people that I don't know very well. In fact, one I, I've never met. So uh, sort of a friend of a friend um, uh, reached out. And uh, yeah, uh, very exciting. Hopefully we'll, you know, just keep on delivering all that retro nostalgic goodness you love. And we'll just uh, continue to be as positive as possible and, and have fun along the way because, Hell you know. Yeah. It might be cooler. It might be cooler to hate everything, but like you know, you know, it's okay. We can be lame. We can be all. We can all be lame and like just cringe and it ain't like, lame you know, to like stuff. It. It's <laughs> fine. It's fine. He's fine. It's, it's also, fine. All, if we all hate the same thing, the world would be boring. I mean, right. come on. I mean, come oh, on, guys. Like, <laughs> also, I, I don't know when he's going to get around to this, but I feel the need to shout out our newest super fan, Kevin Kex. Kex is the man. Uh, he is just like diving into our show. Yeah. Um, episode Full by episode, he boogie. insisted that he go back to the beginning and listen to every single one in order. So, uh, Kex, when you get to this point, um, if you get to this point, uh, Thanks, man. You're awesome, and we're happy to have you on as a Retroid, and uh, we definitely will have you on the show at some point this year for sure. Uh, we already think we have a topic uh, idea that I think is really, really great that kind of came around organically, which is really the best thing. It's the best thing when like a post ends up turning into a conversation that ends up turning into an episode. Like That's my favorite. Yeah. As you yep. know, there's yeah, already that, people out fun. there that care, and yeah. uh, it's even best, even better if like the person you had the conversation with wants to come on and do the guest spot. Like that's so great. Um, just you Absolutely. know, getting the retroids involved and all that stuff, good stuff. So yeah, uh, we'll be on break for a couple of weeks, and we'll be back at the beginning of January with all that goodness, guys. Uh, any last, any last words, Nintendo? Any last yeah. words? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get to I get to before we say. kill you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said before, you know, it's been a blast doing this show for five years with you guys, and um, we made so many amazing friends along the way, and I just I still can't get over how how big our community has grown in the last five years. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it's just been awesome, man. I can't wait to hear. I'm going to say hear. <laughs> hear what you guys have coming up uh, in the, the next season. You know, you told us some of it already, but I want to, you know, listen to the episodes when they come out. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Dude. It's been awesome. And I'm going to miss 
miss doing this. Well, as soon as you get tired of, uh, of missing us and you feel like you want to come back, even if for, even if it's just for an episode or whatever, you just let us know and you're, you're on. Um, oh yeah, sounds dude. Good. Sounds good, dude. Obviously we'll all be in the same chat anyway. So you're going to know what we're doing at all times. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I'll um, still be, I'll still be involved. Right. Right. In, in the background. Right. Be yeah, behind yep. the scenes stuff. So it's not like I'm leaving. Right. <laughs> and I, I mean, I have to say too, that like, I, I can sense a change in the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we, cause we got three extra recording days out of you. This episode here took two days to record because of internet went down when we started recording it. <laughs> that was so a real long. <laughs> yeah, so, so we actually got uh, three extra episodes because two, the last two eight bit episodes were, were two parters. So it's just so funny. The universe is telling you to not leave, but I'm just saying, just saying, but <laughs> just, just saying, just putting that out there. But no, I mean, I can really sense a change in your mood. I think that like having ha maybe my, my thought is that having it off of your plate where, you know, it's not something you have to worry about anymore. Um, I feel like it's, it's already showing that it's helping and, and, uh, that's just the best possible news. I mean, I, I mean, right. that's, do you feel that way? I mean, cause I feel like you've been yeah. very I mean, upbeat. Like I said, like, no, off, off the show. I mean, it, it's, it's mixed emotions, right? Bittersweet, Bitter, bittersweet, no, but relieved, if it, but sad. Right. Time. But like, there is a decent amount of work we put into every episode. Like, yeah. I mean, I know we're, we're very loosey goosey and we seem like we're very, you know, you know, blue collar kind of like, it's not like we're doing the most professional show in the world, but like, we do put a lot of work into the planning of the topics and all these things. So like, yeah, it's, I get it, man. Like I totally understand. Like it, it, if it, you know, clearly it became a thing that you were, you were stressing out about. It's like, oh crap, what the hell am I going to do? Or even if it's one of yeah. our episodes, you're like, oh crap, like, what am I going to say for my part of that episode? And, you know, and <clears throat> that's just, that's just not cool. You know, it's just got to be yeah. fun. Yeah. It's just got to be fun. That's all. So, yep. Yeah. We certainly understand and we'll Thank miss you. So much. But, uh, you know, luckily we're friends in real life. So we won't actually, we're not it's really true. saying goodbye. <laughs> right. It's not even close, man. Not even close. <laughs> the Retroids might miss you though, but that's okay. You can just you can just try to post more and and I'll just yeah, I'll just post more. That's post all. pictures of uh <laughs> of your big beautiful face, and then they'll be like, Oh, there he is. There he is. There's that face. There's that roll that big beautiful Nintendo. Like, there he is. I mean, I did I did recently showing off the new hoodie, Retro Doctor. I know it was so yep. great too. Yeah, yep. did. I, and I get I get text messages saying, Oh wow, I'm fapping already. <laughs> <laughs> See, they love you in that way. In that way, yes. <laughs> they in, love my clothes in on. that way. <laughs> um, uh, but anyway, all right, before we get sappy again, let's uh let's just get out of here. You know, I'm not even going to uh, do our normal our normal outro thing or whatever just off the cuff everybody out there in listening land we appreciate you so very much and uh, every time you guys listen to us uh, you know it, it makes it makes us all worth it and we just cannot say how much we appreciate you hanging out with us all the time and uh, you know when I 
wake i always have the episodes scheduled to release uh like at 1 a.m and when i wake up in the morning there's always like 10 or 15 listens already and it's just so cool so to me cool. because i'm like man there's like and that is like clockwork so there are yeah. 10 or 15 people that listen like instantly on release day but yep. like literally before i even get up so i think that is just the coolest and if you are one of those 15 um you rule you are the true retroids you guys are the professional retroids and we thank you so much you um, will get a smooch from yes all of us. a digital smooch <laughs> from, uh, from Nintendo. um guys happy holidays happy new year all that good stuff we will see you in 2024 have a good one peace it's a sad thing that my adventure has ended here nailed it <laughs> nice. For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.